Weather Center 11. It is 57 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Protesters demanding racial justice continue to march across the country and around the globe here in the U.S. Atlanta was a flashpoint over the weekend as police fatally shot a black man in a Wendy's parking lot. That Wendy's was then burned to the ground. The police chief resigned and the officer fired. Across the sea in Paris, protesters clashed with riot police Saturday as they called for charges against officers for the death of a black man who died in custody in in 2016. And in London, fights erupted between Black Lives Matter protesters and far-right counter-protesters, resulting in more than 100 arrests. In Georgia, the Fulton County DA says the decision will be made this week on whether to bring charges against the officers involved in the shooting of Richard Brooks. An autopsy shows Brooks died of two gunshot wounds to the mm. back. The Fulton County, Georgia Medical Examiner's Office released those findings last night. Vice President Mike Pence says he is inspired by Friday's listening session with community and faith leaders here in our area. Pence took part in a roundtable discussion at Covenant Church in the East End as protests continued over the death of George Floyd in the custody of Minneapolis police. Pence told the gathering he's inspired by the faith and testimonies of those taking part in the meeting. He added he is humbled by the words of encouragement. Pence also said he's looking forward to using the insights gained to help move the country forward. Investigators say two people have died and a child in critical condition after a crash in Pittsburgh's Chateau neighborhood Saturday. The single car accident happened near Beaver and Island Avenues. Police identified the adults killed as 25-year-old Lanika Barron and 24-year-old Dominic Hall. A dog was also killed in that accident. Nearly 43,000 pounds of beef is under recall. The U.S. Department of Agriculture says the ground beef from Lakeside Refrigerated Services could contain E. coli. Made from the New Jersey-based company is shipped all over the country. Those products being recalled were produced on the first of this month and range from one to four pound packages. Nearly 34,000 people are demanding that Disneyland stay closed just two days after (laughs) the California park said it would reopen on July 17th. An online petition nearly has uh, all the signatures that it was asking for. It argues now is not the time to be reopening as people continue to die from coronavirus, saying it will endanger guests and cast members. Disney plans to hold off on all character meet and greets, parades and nighttime shows. But I guess if you're against it reopening, you could just not go. Yeah, that's always <laughs> that's always an option. <laughs> nobody's nobody's forcing you there. I think too, Val. I I think you know, it's going to take one of the princesses getting coronavirus for this really to hit home for the Disney World faithful. You know, it, one of the characters Elsa. are going to have to. Yeah, they're going to have to contract it. And then all of a sudden, all of Arendelle has it. And now you got you got to shut They're it all down. Lockdown, right? Right. Rapunzel, not a problem. She's used to quarantine. <laughs> right. She's, She's on her own up in, in that tower. tower. <laughs> <laughs> Florida's Python action team will soon pay a man for his latest catch. Mike Kimmel went to the Everglades last week to try and catch a python, and he stumbled across one he estimates to be about seventeen feet long. After a wrestling match. The quote-unquote Python Cowboy, uh, as he is called, earned his nickname. 
That's what they call him. Uh, he successfully took the snake to a boat to be euthanized. Kimmel is waiting for his snake's official measurement from state authorities. The largest python ever caught in uh, Florida was 18 feet, 8 inches. Officials estimate oh there are about 100,000 pythons in the Everglades. Can you imagine the disappointment when uh, when a girl finds out why he has that nickname? So, like, so I hear your uh, <laughs> nickname is the Python Cowboy. Tell me a little bit about that. He's like, well, I, what I do is I go into the Everglades and I, I wrestle <laughs> with pythons. She's like, oh, so it's literal. Well, then you're just, you're an idiot. That why are you doing that? False advertising. Why would you, uh, yeah. Val, can you imagine wrestling with any python, forget the length, but 17 even, feet? Yeah, even six feet. What's That's three times your size. That, that is insane. People are crazy. An actress is using her social media platform to help find a missing soldier. Selma Hayek took to Instagram to share the details of 20-year-old missing soldier Vanessa Guillen with her 15 million followers. Guillen went missing at Fort Hood Army Post in Colleen, Texas in April after she told family members a sergeant was sexually harassing her. Hayek has posted numerous times about Guillen tagging an Instagram that is completely dedicated to her return. The actress has also taken to her personal Instagram stories to document how many days Guillen has been missing. Barbara Streisand helping George Floyd's daughter get started in the stock market at a young age. Gianna Floyd took to Instagram yesterday to thank the singer for sending her a package that included Disney stocks. It's unclear how many shares the Streisand sent to the six-year-old, but from the looks of the picture, uh, the little girl is very excited. The picture, or the package rather, also included two of Barbara Streisand's albums for the six-year-old. My name is Barbara and Color Me Barbara. And finally, a sad note, the daughter of Hank Williams Jr. has died in a car crash. Reports say a single vehicle crash in Tennessee Saturday night resulted in the death of 27-year-old Catherine Williams Dunning. Williams Dunning is the daughter of 71-year-old country star Hank Williams Jr. And then, of course, the granddaughter of Hank Williams. Forecast today, some sun, a slight chance of a shower. Temperatures in the mid to upper 70s. We're at 57 degrees now at DVE. Randy's on vacation this week. Mike pursued a sports at the bottom of the hour. It looks like the baseball, they just cannot come to any kind of agreement. Mike, nope. didn't uh, the players say, yeah, we're not happy with this latest thing that you guys are proposing? Yeah, the problem they, is that uh, Major League Baseball continues to make the same offer in different terms. Uh, <laughs> Let's just rearrange the, the, want, the, the The players want their prorated salaries. They believe there was an agreement in March that was to give them their prorated salaries. Management believes that the March agreement gives them the right to give them less if there were to be no fans in the stands, and they can't get past that. So it uh, is looking very much as if, if there's going to be a baseball season, then the commissioner is going to have to declare a short season. And then if the commissioner declares, the players will have to get their prorated salaries. So expect 48 or 50 games and a less than enthusiastic participation level from all involved. <laughs> and and does that have any effect on next season? I mean, I guess the, the coronavirus ultimately will be, you know, where are we by that point in time? Uh, yeah, the the coronavirus will determine 
the next season is the last one under the current CBA, so they're going to have to negotiate that's, another long-term yeah. deal. And that's what's – if they can't mm-hmm. come together now, uh, how how are we to anticipate that there will be anything positive a year from now? But, hey, you never know. Well, we'll have Sean Casey on at 745 this morning to talk a little bit about that. And also, uh, last night ESPN aired the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire – 30 for 30 long right gone, bill you watch that yeah long gone summer it, it was phenomenal and we're going to talk to case about that because you know this this amazing summer for baseball happens right after you know baseball had had another one of these kind of moments where, where there was a <laughs> contract negotiation and and that fell apart and a strike in 94 and a lot of uh fans didn't come back and then all of a sudden this magic summer happened right actually when Casey was coming into the league so um I'm I'm sure Casey's gonna have some great insight into that and I don't know if did you get a chance to see it last night Mike yeah I saw the second hour I thought it was really well done it was uh, yeah it's phenomenal it was kind of as I remembered it I mean that it was so captivating and so exciting and then afterward, everybody found out, oh, they were all on steroids, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of the way the documentary, that they saved that till the, the very end uh, yeah. reaction to that. And, uh, you know, it was still, it was, it, it was uh, tremendous. Uh, really well done piece by uh, ESPN last night, I thought. All right, full sports report from Mike at the bottom of the hour. And again, Sean Casey, 745 this morning. It's the DVE Morning Show. Morning Show. With the, the club doing well, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, things down in Florida have been, you know, pretty wide open the entire time. Uh, did they say anything about, like, uh, not encouraging people to, like, in the past, like, I've seen people be like, come on up, move up to, move up to the front. Like, you got to, like... Resist well, that interesting you, you bring that up. They were telling me this morning that they don't have the normal seating in the front of the stage out of respect to the audience because I'll be talking. And as you know, when you're talking, you could potentially spit or whatever. And so they're 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 distancing even from the stage, I think, another 12 feet, which I think is very smart. And I, yeah. I, I would I would naturally, I think, knowing everything, I would stand on the back of the stage, whatever now and stay as far back as possible. But, because one of the way you guys uh, and Bill, I mean, you could speak to this, too, that you connect with the audience is by kind of starting with that front row a lot of times. And you'll talk to whoever's sitting right in front of you. Yeah. And you kind of lose the ability to make that the, the eye contact the same way. Does that uh... I don't talk, I don't talk to the audience at all, but Steve does. And, and the first 20 minutes of Steve said is <laughs> is a lot of the times my favorite part because he just he he rips into them and just it's it's a really fun interaction so yeah that that's kind of that's going to be different yeah i'll just ask for a cordless and go through the audience tonight (laughs) (laughs) just Just scare everybody yeah now will people be allowed to bring confederate flags (laughs) (laughs) mandatory Uh, of course absolutely i'm going to do everything to polarize everybody um i actually got this haircut in a wuhan wet wet market so i'm gonna let everybody know that um a bat cut your hair which is crazy i got got the bat cut yeah that's what i asked him for yeah Tom Petty, 102.5 DVE. It's a DVE morning show. We heard from Steve Byrne, who was on the show last week, and uh, he did shows at uh, the Improv in 
in Florida, Bill, Miami. Yeah, Is that where he was in Miami. Weekend? Yep, he did several shows, and it looked like it was great. He interacted with the crowd. I mean, we referenced in that bit that he's talking about doing crowd work and Steve is, is so good at it. And, um, he had a clip. If, if you follow Steve Byrne, Steve Byrne live, uh, doc or, you know, on Twitter, just go to his, uh, Twitter handle. He, he tweeted out a clip of some crowd work he did from over the weekend. That was pretty incredible. Yeah. He's talking about haircuts. Uh, I, uh, just within the last few days, <laughs> have reached the point where I can't take it anymore. You're going with the hair. I mean, I, I can't get an appointment till the 29th, but yeah, it's, uh, oh, we're man. reaching. Yeah. It's out of control. Reaching critical mass. Yeah. Yes. Why? Yes. Why? What's wrong it's with just, it? I... It's just awful. Too long. <laughs> too long. Too long. Come too on, out of Val. Control. It's not too long. It doesn't look yeah. any longer. It looks like if you would have told me I got a haircut over the weekend, I would say, oh, it looks great. Well, I have because headphones I, on all the time. You can't see it. I know, but it doesn't look crazy long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost have a helmet on all morning. <laughs> it's half right. a helmet. <laughs> Did you cut? Didn't you cut your own hair, Bill? I did, and it looked good from afar, but it was far from good kind of thing. And um, and now that we're getting closer to actually being able to go out, I'm very nervous to cut it again. It definitely needs it. It's way too long on the top. Um, but I I I just don't know yet. I don't know, and I'm sure About there's a backlog. A yeah, I'm sure there's a backlog just like you experience. Like they're gonna be like, yeah, we have an opening. July 34th, which right. is August 3rd. <laughs> well, I was in Robin. We can talk about this later because we got to get to sports with Mike. I was in Robinson on Saturday. It was like mm. Christmas. It was oh, Christmas bet. time traffic. It was insane. So we'll talk about that uh, coming up in a little bit. Mike's got sports coming up, uh, talking baseball and NASCAR raced with fans over the weekend. So uh, we'll see what Mike's got to say about that coming up. Sports next on DV. It's online or in store.
race had about, I don't know, 200 fans in the stands yesterday, and everybody was <laughs> well spread out. They had a thousand. Uh, they haven't gotten to that point yet. Uh, they're talking uh, without fans, at least initially, and uh, that's uh, that's turning into a pretty significant hurdle. Uh, not an unrelated development over the weekend. New York Post reported that Major League Baseball reached a billion dollar deal with Turner Sports. That's billion with a B for uh, Turner Sports continued participation as one of the networks. <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, will broadcast playoff games. Uh, no word on the length uh, or terms of the contract. Turner Sports Agreement with MLB was scheduled to expire after the 2021 season. Turner had been paying $310 million this year as part of a $787 million postseason package that also included Fox, ESPN, uh, the MLB Network, and international broadcasts. So, if you're ever wondering just how much money uh, the owners are making, that was uh, <laughs> billion with a B, and that's one of the networks involved in uh, televising the postseason. Uh, the Pirates are still uh, uh, coming to grips and uh, sorting through what they were able to acquire in the Major League uh, draft last week, Wednesday and Thursday. That took place uh, down to five rounds this year from 40 because of the pandemic. The Pirates ended up uh, getting four uh, players out of the six they selected that had Cape Cod League experience, but Senior Director of Amateur Scouting Joe Delacardi said uh, eh, that just kind of worked out that way. I mean, the Cape um, was was valuable in this process. How to measure it exactly, any more or less, it was, it was definitely valuable. We got a chance to see the guys compete at the highest level, which we didn't get a chance to do a lot of this spring. Um, you know, our scouts, generally you don't get to the Cape as an unknown, so you have a lot of track record or some level of track record before you get there. So you're talking about history with our scouts and then seeing them on that stage. And it's always going to weigh in factor. I don't, I don't think it's a, you know, big story that um, it was weighted very, very significantly. It did turn out that way. There were guys that we selected this year, um, but it definitely factored to some extent. No question. Next up for uh, general manager Ben Sherrington and the Buccos is the signing of undrafted free agents. Normally they go through 40 rounds of this. This year they went through five. Uh, Sherrington said uh, the Pirates will pursue those guys uh, off, off a slightly different plan than they executed the draft. I think it'll end up being a little bit more targeted uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I think we're trying to really present an opportunity and why signing with the pirates uh, might be a unique opportunity for a particular player. And um, seems easier to do that, honestly, if it's a little bit more targeted group. And, um, and then the other half of that is just that we also need to look at any, any non-drafted player we sign and bring in is in some way, uh, in competition for with a, a player who's already here, a minor league player who's already here. Um, obviously, as you know, we made some releases uh, this week, and so we need to look at that too. So I think we'll target guys that we feel honestly have opportunity with the Pirates and who we feel we can help in some way, and that probably ends up meaning it means meaning it's a, a bit more targeted list. 
course, Sherrington is uh, new, new to the job, uh, his uh, first year as the Buccos GM, and uh, Delacardi really appreciated uh, going through the draft process with the new guy in charge. Um, I've been I've been blessed to have great listeners around me, and I'd say Ben is a great listener. Um, really appreciated the fact that he spent so much time with us during this time uh, with everything going on in the organization, made time to be with the group. Um, but a great listener, added a, added a ton, him and Steve, you know, added a ton to the group, just being around them and showing the support from day one, um, every step of the way. Um, other than that, I would share, um, I'd like to do this in person with Ben, even though we're down the hall and I'm not allowed to be in the same room. I can be in the same corridor 90 feet away, but I, I don't get a chance to be with him. I'd like to do with him do with it with him in person the next time it's been a little <laughs> bit different uh this year uh, there's actually a press conference today at one o'clock out in moon township robert morris is poised to announce a move from the northeast conference to the horizon league uh, the horizon league is not the acc or the big 10 but it is a significant step up from the northeast conference and they are actually having a press conference, guys, they're, they're inviting us to come out. I'm not sure how this is going to work, but uh, I don't know if I still remember how to interview somebody when it's not on Zoom. I guess I'm going to find out. Uh, are you going? To talk about. Oh, I, are you kidding me? If it was uh, to announce they were fielding a tiddlywinks team, I think I'd go. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but this is actually uh, a significant deal. For Robert Morris basketball, uh, PGA Tour over the weekend, uh, the Colonial at Fort Worth, Texas, went to uh, one playoff hole. Uh, Daniel Berger ends up the winner. Uh, he fired a 15 under, 206 for the four rounds, and then parred the uh, playoff hole. Colin Morikawa also was 15 under, but he bogeyed the 17th, which was the extra hole. Denny Hamlin was uh, your winner in uh, the NASCAR event at the Homestead. Miami Speedway. They played that or raced that, I should say, in front of 1,000 fans, uh, most of which were invited military members who were each allowed to bring a guest. And uh, last but certainly not least, file this one under the way things are supposed to work. Uh, Clemson University on Friday announced that it has renamed its John C. Calhoun Honors College the Clemson University Honors College. Now, the backstory on that Clemson is built uh, on the land that used to be John C. Calhoun's plantation way back in the day. John C. Calhoun was uh, a former U.S. vice president under John Quincy Adams and Andrew Jackson. He's also a former U.S. senator, a U.S. secretary of war, and a former U.S. secretary of state. But in addition to all that stuff, John C. Calhoun was an, uh, a staunch advocate for slavery. Uh, some people at Clemson... Uh, took notice of that in the wake of the uh, the recent events and all the protesting uh, that has, uh, spa has spawned the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, former Clemson players DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson were among those to petition the university last week to remove Calhoun's name. Uh, Hopkins had gone as far as posting on Instagram, quote, I felt this oppressive figure during my time at Clemson and purposely do not mention the university's name before NFL games because of it. Uh, the wow. university uh, the university heard the cries 
and uh, decided to make the change. Uh, Clemson President Jim Clemens said in an announcement, quote, our trustees leadership sends a clear message that Clemson University intends to be a place where all our students, employees and guests feel welcome. Our work in this area is far from finished, but we're committed to building on the progress we have made in the areas of diversity and inclusivity as we strive to serve our entire state and the nation. So there you go. You, you, you make your voice heard and uh, you do it in a manner that doesn't involve uh, destruction or damage. And sometimes the right thing happens. Yeah. Who, who good had for that, them. Bill? Yeah. Get yeah, out in front uh, of it. One, one more thing, Mike, about the, the baseball situation. I, I think that the owners here have to me, at least the most vulnerability, the most exposure, because on both ends, the players have the ability to just walk away. And if the owners keep hemming and hawing about how hard it is for them financially, the players could conceivably file a grievance to open up their financials. And that's the last thing they want is to have it revealed how much money they're actually making. So on the one hand, it's like, okay, you're either going to lose a positioning of in terms of just how much you make, you're giving some insight into your books for the CBA that's coming down the road, or you don't have a, a season. So you can't print the money that you're going to print in a regular season. We all know that. But then you're going to forfeit all money and potentially another work stoppage at the end of next year. It's yeah, a disaster. Stuff, you know, it, it always turns people off. The The catchphrase is uh, billionaires arguing with millionaires over millions. And, uh, you know, to an extent that's true. But uh, baseball had a chance to to sort of take one for the team, to use the baseball analogy, and, and get sure. out there, provided it, it was safe and, and there's a way to do it. And, uh, you know, they'll eventually play. The owners will tell them, okay, it's going to be a 48-game season or whatever, and you get your prorated salaries. But so much ill will and, and so much contempt put out there for public consideration. It's, turn, it's turning people off, not turning people on, and that's not the way, Val, that they should be uh, trying to go about their business. Is it just me? I feel like these battles only happen in baseball, like between the owners and the players, or is, it, is that it's, just my imagination? It, no, it's not. It's definitely the strongest players union, and that's probably why they go head-to-head. There's no cap. And so there's the, you know, there's, there's a lot of disputes because what they make and what the rules are is always being, um, battled, right, Mike? Yeah, it's, it happens in other sports, but it seems like it's louder in baseball and yeah, uh, mm -hmm. it, it, it's a shame. It, it's not going to stop me from, you know, when, when they play and it gets back to baseball, as I remember it, I'll, I'm in cause I'm, I love baseball, but uh, there are uh, with each passing year, I think there are fewer fewer people that grew up with the game and kind of have it ingrained as as a part of uh, you know who they are and playing catch with your dad and playing little league and all that stuff. And uh, when you start losing that, you, you're going to have a problem down the road, guys. Thanks, Mike. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Bruce Lee documentary that aired on ESPN. Be water. Uh, we'll do that next. It's DV. It's the DVE Morning Show. I'm Val Porter with Bill Crawford, Mike Brasuda, producer Joe Rakicki. We're all in four different places. 
<laughs> we have been for what, like two months now? Working out pretty good though. Yeah. Over two Although, months. Getting normal. I do miss seeing you guys. <laughs> like in person. No, I do too. Other I do than too, a and little I miss, iPad screen. I miss Val and 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 right there was a prime example of it. I miss being in the studio with you guys, if for no other reason that when we're in the studio together, we know exactly when the person is going to stop talking and there's no delay between our audio and the visual that we have on the Zoom call. And I don't like staring at seven screens in the morning. I, I like to be in a room <laughs> with you guys and sort of talk and, you know, get up and walk around and get a coffee. And I miss all that. Yeah, hopefully we'll get back to that soon. Uh, ESPN, uh, go ahead, Mike. What were you going to say? No. You miss just, us, too? I'm going to grab, grab. Oh, I miss you guys desperately, but I, I think I've mentioned before, <laughs> a, as different as this is, and, yeah, we have some hiccups, but I get to see you all in the morning. I I love the Zoom thing, Val. I mean, you know, little tiny heads oh, and yeah. square boxes. It, it's something different in my day. It's, it works. Uh, it's human contact. Uh, it I think it's it's helped get me through this. Believe me, I'm a, no doubt. I'm happy we've no I'm doubt. happy we've been able to do what we've been able to do. ESPN's been uh, helping people get through it as well with some uh, pretty cool documentaries there. But they've been airing their 30 for 30 series. Uh, they did the mm -hmm. Chicago Bulls and they did uh, Sosa and McGuire last night. Which, by the way, we're going to have Sean Casey on to talk about that at 7:45. But they did one on Bruce Lee as well. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about ESPN, Bruce Lee doesn't necessarily fit that mold, but he definitely fills the void left by sports. And, uh, and th there's no doubt about it. A lot of people that love sports also loved um, his movies. And and I was I mean, I'm aware of Bruce Lee. I'm aware of um, how much of an icon he is. But I, I realized I didn't know much about his life. And so I watched uh, the documentary um be water and the only real critique i had was that it wasn't enough like you just mentioned the jordan documentary that was 10 episodes lance armstrong got two episodes and be water was phenomenal but it just it left me wanting more so i've been reading up on him um but i did learn a lot and i have i have five things that i learned about bruce lee that i didn't know watching this number five uh he was a child actor did you know that he was he he was a famous actor in Hong Kong before he ever trained in martial arts. Matter of fact, he was born in a movie, basically. Like, he is in a movie as a baby being carried <laughs> onto the screen by, by um, his dad. His dad was a famous uh, opera singer in um in hong kong and so he was in a movie when he was a baby he was co-starring in a, in movies by the time he was nine and by the time he had reached 18 when he left hong kong he, he'd been in over 20 films um and he was I, pretty young though when he left didn't he wasn't he oh yeah he he came to the states when he was 18 years old and um and and i didn't realize that he failed in Hollywood. He spent 12 years in Hollywood. And I guess because Hollywood didn't see Asians as uh, being able to carry off the leading role, um, he couldn't land any significant um, movies, movie roles. And I think the only significant or the most significant role that he had was on the TV show, The Green Hornet. He played mm -hmm. 
Cato's, uh, he played Cato, which was the Green Hornet's sidekick. He's like the butler and the driver. And it's the only show where the sidekick could kick the main hero's ass. He's just beating everybody <laughs> up. And then he has to do the Green Hornet's laundry. Um, but, uh, but I didn't realize that he had to go back to Hong Kong to become a, a superstar, to become a film star. And, and right before he leaves Hollywood, he goes to the networks and pitches this idea for a show. And the network basically takes his idea and cast David Carradine as the main character. They're like, no, we love your idea, but we're going to let this white dude from L.A. play the peace-loving Shaolin monk. So thanks, but no thanks, Bruce Lee. So then he goes back to Hong Kong, and that brings me to number three. He had to go back to Hong Kong to become a movie star, and it's kind of hard to imagine Bruce Lee now being the icon that he is, you know, not being able to make it in, in, in Hollywood. Um, he's a writer, a director, a martial, a master martial artist. And so he goes back to Hong Kong, he gets into a couple movies and all of a sudden, all of his movies do blockbuster, uh, numbers. And then Hollywood comes calling. It's, it's the classic male female relationship. Like the moment you stop Karen is <laughs> when she starts calling. Um, so then all of a sudden. They come calling, they they collaborate and um and and do Enter the Dragon. And I didn't know this. The movie that made him famous in the States, Enter the Dragon, um, came out after he died. He died in July of 73, and the movie didn't come out for another month. Wasn't so he there became some a superstar after that? Or he believed there was some curse surrounding his life or is was that just in the the drama movie dragon bruce that Lee? was in yeah that was in the that a lot of people believe that his life was cursed because of the weird that that was the one thing that i didn't learn was was the mystery the the mysterious death like the mysteries surrounding his death like he had this brain swelling and he had a headache and he was at his mistress's house and she gave him some kind of Eastern pain pill and he went to sleep and never woke up. And it's just this bizarre situation where he, here's this 32 year old guy who's in terms of fitness is at the top of the game and he just mysteriously passes away. And here's the, the number one thing that I learned that I did not know. If you've ever seen any footage of Bruce Lee, you've seen him fighting Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the yellow suit with the black stripes down the, the shoulder. That movie was completely unfinished. And they he had only shot about 45 minutes worth of scenes for that. And so to fill out the, that movie and release it, they used stunt doubles lookalikes and footage from other bruce lee movies to complete that film which i had like i've seen that movie the game of death and it i had no idea that that was all pieced together from other movies and things like that and that it came it had come out after he had died so um highly recommend it it's uh it's very interesting if if anything i i just i left um I left that experience wanting more. I, I want to know more about Bruce Lee. 
Yeah, I never saw any of his actual movies. The only thing I saw was Dragon Bruce Lee's story. Um, but if, yeah, if that's... If that. It's a really good movie. I don't know how accurate it is to his life. Um, but he did have a pretty fascinating life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he, the, the, the movie made him seem very charismatic and just able to draw people oh, yeah. to him. And so, yeah. And, and when you die like that, like James Dean, when you die young at the very top of the game, like he hadn't even cracked the surface. Enter the Dragon was the first movie ever, um, collaborated on by Hong Kong and, and U.S film industries so the production companies got together made that movie and it it hadn't even come out when he died so like can you imagine i mean what he would have done because he was like a charlie chaplin like where he was writing all his own stuff he was directing all of it he could act and he was the best martial artist in the world so check that out if you get a chance it's b water bruce lee uh on espn Mike's got sports on the way. I'll be up uh, with some news coming up at the top of the hour here in just a few minutes away. Sean Casey at 745. It's a DVE. Severe Weather Center 11. It's 56 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best says the so-called autonomous zone is peaceful for now on CBS's Face the Nation. Best says one of the challenges is figuring out who's a leader or influencer in the area. She says that's hard to determine because it changes so often. Another concern there is they don't want anybody to get hurt in that area. Demonstrations over the death of George Floyd in Minnesota uh, led protesters in Seattle to create that autonomous zone last week. A tattoo parlor in Kentucky is offering free cover-ups for anyone who wants to remove their hate or gang symbol tattoo. The artist at Gallery X Art Collective in Murray, Kentucky, said they wanted to do their part to take a stance in the Black Lives Matter movement. Artist Ryan King said having any sort of hate tattoo is completely unacceptable. He said it gives people a free chance to change. Lawmakers are urging the Trump administration to make it easier for small businesses to have loans forgiven under the Paycheck Protection Program. A group of Senate Democrats called for streamlining the process and simplifying the 11-page form required for the program. In a letter Friday to Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and the head of the Small Business Administration, Senator said the current process is too costly and time-consuming for very small and minority-owned businesses. Meanwhile, a larger group of senators from both parties called on the government to come up with just one single-page application for loans under (laughs) $250,000. An L.A. Times report says public health officials failed to warn people that a passenger infected with coronavirus passed through Los Angeles International Airport back in March. It happened at a point when L.A. County only had 250 infections and vowed to investigate and trace all of them. But the Times says no one, including that plane's passengers and crew, were told about the passenger. Yesterday, L.A. County reported another 1,000-plus coronavirus cases for a total of over 73,000. A top White House advisor says people should wear protective masks to President Trump's campaign rally in Oklahoma this week. Larry Kudlow told CNN State of the Union the recent surge in cases is a concern. When asked if those attending Saturday's event in Tulsa should wear masks, Kudlow said probably so. 
It'll be the president's first political rally in months because of coronavirus concerns. Trump pushed back the date to June 20th after taking heat for originally planning to hold it on Juneteenth, the day which commemorates the end of slavery in the U.S. It's got to be awkward and uncomfortable for them to tell people to wear masks because this whole thing has become political. Like now, if you wear a mask, you are making a political statement somehow. So these people who are going to this rally definitely are not the um, the side that the masks are on. So now well, they've they're, they've got to figure out what what to do here. This is a conundrum. And I did see a story over the weekend, not only the people attending the rally, but the president doesn't wear a mask either. And if this is going to have this rally is going to have thousands of people breathing out, exhaling, yelling, screaming, that puts him at risk. Yeah. And are the people behind him going to be socially distanced? You know how the, the whoever's speaking oh, I don't or think whenever so. he does the rally, there's always the people behind him. I don't think there's going to be any social distancing at this uh, at any rally. No, shoulder to shoulder. They, didn't they say it seats eighteen thousand? I mean, he's performing at well, like it's, it's an arena, PPG. Yeah. yeah, and the CDC is flat out warning against large gatherings in confined places leading up to the rally Saturday. The guidance says large in person events where it's difficult for people to maintain that six foot distance are at the highest risk. The warning also covers racial injustice protests taking place. The CDC is recommending wearing face covering something, as we just talked about, the president does not do. Trump's campaign website is warning anyone seeking tickets to the Tulsa rally that they risk contracting COVID-19 and that by attending, they agree not to hold the campaign or building staff responsible. Apparently, there's a release form. If you want to go oh that God. if you catch COVID-19, right. you, you're not TSOL. <laughs> oh, man. Penn State University officials are confirming the school will return with in-person instruction in the fall. Officials say classes will begin on August 24th and be held on Labor Day and through November until Thanksgiving break. Experts fear, though, the break will raise the risk of spreading COVID-19 as many students return home for the holiday. So all classes and finals after that will take virtually. Officials say the university will have contact tracing and testing capacity to track any potential outbreaks of the virus. Harness racing back underway today at the Meadows Racetrack and Casino. The casino in North Strabane Township reopened last week with racing set to resume around midday today. The Herald Standard reports that racing is scheduled for Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Saturdays into September. Former National Security Advisor John Bolton is ripping President Trump in his upcoming memoir. A statement from publisher Simon & Schuster includes excerpts from the book. Bolton writes that he was astonished by Trump's actions, saying they were fueled by an obsession over his re-election prospects, saying, quote, even if it meant endangering or weakening the nation, end quote. Meantime, Bolton argues House Democrats committed impeachment malpractice by keeping their prosecution focused narrowly on Trump's Ukraine scandal. Bolton left the White House abruptly last year. President Trump said he fired the hardline conservative, but Bolton insisted he left on his own. The two sides have been embroiled in a long dispute over what can be published in the new book based on reviews of classified materials. That book is set to be released next Tuesday. 
Well, this happened last month in Smithtown, New York, but it's just making the news now. Some 50 families surprised their UPS driver with signs and cards and gifts and even a plant. His name is Greg Watkins. He's been their delivery guy for over 13 years. One of the residents told him, quote, you're an essential worker, but you've always been essential to us. Uh, you know our families. We know your family. We adore you. And we just wanted to say thank you. So nice gesture for that Aww. guy. And when so the nice. Broken Arrow Animal Shelter in Oklahoma shared a picture on Facebook of a special dog that needed a home, one family made sure they would be adopting her by camping out in front of the shelter for 27 hours. The Border Collie puppy has a unique heart-shaped patch of fur on her chest, which inspired hundreds of people to respond. But just one family went the extra mile and stepped up to be first in line. Their determination and dedication paid off because the family was able to adopt the dog and give her a happy home. Isn't that so American right there? We find a way to take a cute puppy and turn it into a Black Friday situation where somebody's got to camp out. <laughs> 27 hours before the doors open. Well, this is a thing that always kills me with these stories. If you see, you know, a story about a dog with a heart-shaped patch of fur or one that was mm -hmm. had a horrible, horrible abuse story, hundreds yeah. and hundreds of people want to adopt that one dog. And it kills me yeah. because I always think, adopt another dog or cat or right. whatever. There are hundreds of them all over every city you live in, wherever you live. But that dog didn't go viral, Val. That dog didn't have right. a little tail between its eyes. So right, it's, yeah. it's not cute enough. I'm uh, with you. Those stories. The it's, Rock and Roll Hall great. of Fame. Yeah. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame will welcome guests for the first time in three months today. The Rock Hall officials say the doors will open this morning in Cleveland after being closed during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. All guests have to wear face coverings and they will have their temperature checked at the door. The museum will operate with limited capacity. No cash will be accepted. A former Saturday Night Live star sharing what happened during an encounter earlier this year with the Los Angeles Police Department. Jay Farrow shared a video on Instagram of him jogging in Los Angeles when he was stopped by police because he matched the description of a suspect police were looking for. Farrow was then handcuffed while an officer placed a knee on his neck. The event came about a week before Ahmad Arbery was shot and killed jo while jogging in Georgia. Farrow says he told officers, Google him. Uh, and he was released about a minute later. He said he's telling his story because he could have been Ahmad Arbery or George Floyd. And finally, a video from 1993 shows Howard Stern in blackface using the N-word. It was a skit based on the 93 Friars Club roast of Whoopi Goldberg, which had her then-boyfriend Ted Danson wearing blackface and slinging racial slurs. The satirical Stern skit was part of his pay-per-view New Year's Eve special and had Stern playing Danson, Sherman Helmsley playing Goldberg and uh, Robin Quivers playing one of the hosts. The resurfaced video has caused outrage on social media over the past several days with calls for him to apologize. Forecast today, it looks like it's going to be another decent day. Some sunshine, very slight chance of a shower and temperatures in the mid to upper 70s. It's 56 now at DVE. Mike, what do you got coming up at the bottom of the hour? Uh, we're going to uh, take another uh Look back at the Pirates Hall in the draft last week. Uh, some uh, interesting developments there. 
and uh, we'll update you on John Tortorella of the Columbus Blue Jackets, who is changing his stance on standing for the national anthem. Hmm. All right. We'll look forward to hearing that. Uh, Sean Casey at 745. I mentioned earlier this morning that I, I, I just had to get out of the house on Saturday and apparently almost everyone else in the area (laughs) thought the same thing. I went out to Robinson. (laughs) No. Uh, And it was a beautiful day. So uh, I went out to Robinson and the Robinson town center exit traffic was backed up almost to the parkway. And that's a long exit ramp. Yeah. I thought it was Christmas. That's how bad traffic was. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, look, it feels like when they said, "Hey, you know what? We're reopening every the floodgates opened." Yes. Everybody is out. Out. Coronavirus, what? No, it's not it's it's over. Didn't you hear? We beat it. Now, fortunately, Mission accomplished. <laughs> it's nice weather. So if there was a store that you had to grab a handle, the doors were propped open so you at least didn't have to grab the handle. And then any store I went in, I just walked around with my arms crossed so I wasn't tempted to touch anything. I'm like, oh, I want to look at that thing and I can't. I just bend over and look at it. I did a lot of arms behind the back, bending over to look at something but not touching it. Yes, Mm-hmm. And it looked like I said the only place I noticed that it was bad was um a week ago when I went to Bath and Body Works and these women were just grabbing every bottle on the shelf. But when I was out Saturday I didn't notice that so much. We actually went to a restaurant on Friday night, uh one of our local places, one of our favorites and we hadn't been there in a long time and see if you guys can make any sense of this for me. They requested that you wear a mask in and then when you sat down you take it off. I mean, I, I get um, you can't eat with a mask on, but what is the point of wearing it as you come in if you're just going to take it off? Right. If you're walking, if you're walking by people, I mean, if you're, you know, if you have to walk close to somebody to get to your table, did they have tables socially Spaced. distanced? Yep. Yeah, yeah, they did. It's the only thing I can think of. Did they bring your condiments and stuff in a little bowl? Because they're not, we're not supposed to have condiments on the table anymore. Salt, pepper, ketchup, none of that stuff. Yeah, there wasn't any of that, and uh, it, it, it didn't, didn't come throw up, it at uh, you from across the room. Catch your dinner. <laughs> Catch this spaghetti. Close baby steps, I guess. Uh, it's, it's good to be able to go into a place instead of just do pickup. Was it weird? Did you well, feel uncomfortable? I didn't because we had been in Charlotte, uh, the Charlotte area the week before and, and done it a couple times. That was our sort of reintroduction into life as we sort of remembered it. And down there, it was pretty much, uh, yeah, we're back. Uh, do whatever you want. Uh, so it's a little bit uh, more conservative up here. But uh, like we've been saying all along, guys, take what you can get, right? Uh, it's Well, you played hockey it, it, last night, right? I did. First time since March. Uh, the pickup game was back on the ice. And uh, the, the 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 things that really stood out about that is how short everybody was taking their shifts because <laughs> nobody had their <laughs> legs. You know, sometimes in the, the, the game I'm in, the, I, I rejoined this game that's been going on out here for a long time. I used to play in it years ago. 
I jumped back into it twice just before they shut everything down. I ended my uh, four or five year retirement. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was just getting back into it. And then they shut it down. Usually guys are pretty responsible, but you know, you play till you're tired and you come off. But last night guys were coming off quick and breathing heavy. And uh, that was noticeable how, how short all the shifts were. And then when you're sitting on the bench, Everybody just had this stupid smile on their face, and they're looking. Oh boy, this is great! You know, it was like flounder and animal. Everybody was so happy to be playing again. Um, we we probably had about twenty skaters and three goalies, which is fairly normal. But they had us in uh, four locker rooms, which is also normal. The locker rooms aren't NHL locker rooms, <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. it didn't seem. Uh, other than uh, not being able to shower at the facility, uh, it was uh, business as usual. So, would you do? That's good. Your We're starting on in the parking lot, or <laughs> you... no? Nah, I mean, you changed there, and then just after it was over, you changed and put your clothes back on while you were soaking wet, and you drove home in your own stank, and then uh, I jumped in the shower <laughs> when I got home. <laughs> all right. uh, yeah, we're all starting to get back to normal a little bit, and uh, it is good. And cases remain low here. I'll have that coming up in news at the top of the hour. Sean Casey on the way. It's a DV morning show. Get a quote now. DVE Sports. I'm Mike Pursuta for DVE Sports. Brought to you this hour by Bridgeville Appliance. Uh, nothing Encouraging to report out of Major League Baseball regarding developments over the weekend. The Associated Press reporting that uh, the players have told uh, MLB that there's no sense even negotiating anymore, uh, according to union head Tony Clark. Quote, uh, it unfortunately appears that further dialogue with the league would be futile. It's time to get back to work. Tell us when and where. So the players think it's time for Commissioner Rod Manford to declare the season's going to be 48 games or 58 games, and this is when it starts, and uh, just go with it. Uh, the players are adamant that they should get their uh, full prorated salaries for whatever uh, number of games they end up playing. Uh, MLB uh, differs. Uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN.com uh, reports the MLB response to the players' response is disappointed. Uh, quote, uh, the MLBPA understands that the agreement reached on March the 26th was premised on the party's mutual understanding that the players would be paid their full salaries only if play resumed in front of fans. They can't agree on what they agreed on in March, let alone on it's what unreal. they do this summer. Can't wait till the end of next season uh, when they do this <laughs> oh for real. God. But uh, stay tuned. Uh, you might hear something from uh, the MLB camp uh, today. Uh, the Pirates uh, and every other team uh, still uh, taking in all that uh, transpired at the end of last week. The five-round draft took place on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Pirates coming up with a couple of interesting guys, including uh, their uh, compensatory round, uh, competition round selection. Uh, 31st overall, Carmen Majinski, uh, a hard-throwing pitcher out of South Carolina. Uh, you guys might recall I, I mentioned last week after the Pirates selected Majinski that the Bucks' opinion of him was that he is fierce. He's just uh, one of those ultra competitors. Uh, Majinski eventually uh, did a conference call, a Zoom, with the Pittsburgh media late last week and kind of shed some light on how long that's been the case. 
Uh, I'd say that's probably just from the, the household I grew up in. Um, always competing in this household. It's doing the dishes competitive type stuff. So um, just kind of came up in the household <laughs> like that with, with uh, always just being a competitive guy. And then that's kind of just something that leaked onto the field for me. And I've definitely learned to harness that in the past couple of years and, and have the right moments for it and just how to control it. But that's something that's always <laughs> helped me help me be successful. If I could follow that up for just a second, how do you yeah. be competitive washing dishes? Oh, I mean, it's it's like we have a timer on the microwave going to see if we can if we can beat the <laughs> clock. But it's I got two younger brothers and an older sister, and to be honest, my sister might be the most competitive out of all of us. Just just to put that in perspective, so. That's that's a first for me. I've never heard of a guy putting a timer on the microwave to see how fast he can do the dishes. Right? I mean, his parents are geniuses. They figured out a way to get child labor into uh, some kind of competition. Be like, all right, now do laundry. All right, you're on the clock, kids. <laughs> Clean the basement. Let's see, how, let's see how fast you can stain the deck. <laughs> this is Mr. Miyagi's uh, form of training here. That's uh, it's interesting stuff. Even if we weren't in the midst of what we're in the midst of this would be an interesting backstory because it's not every day uh, you hear stuff like this. Uh, Carmen Majinski is also a big fan of the Pirates' number one pick, uh, middle infielder Nick Gonzalez from New Mexico State. Those two guys uh, crossed paths in the Cape Cod League up in Massachusetts in the summer of 2019. Yeah, uh, happy I don't have to face him. That's for sure. Um, I think he's he's one of the best players in this year's in this year's draft. No question. I mean, I was. I was surprised he didn't go first overall, so I think the Pirates definitely got a steal there with him. But, I mean, he just consistently mashed up there in the Cape. I mean, we he was the reason why we didn't, in my opinion, why we didn't win the championship up there. I mean, he, he hit a uh, a two-run home run to give his team the, uh, the go-ahead lead in the seventh in game three. So, I mean, yeah, definitely happy I don't have to face that guy. Yeah, the, the the stories for uh, Majinski and Gonzalez are relatively similar. Uh, Gonzalez walked on at New Mexico State. He needed a big year in the Cape Cod League in 2019 to establish himself uh, and his draft position. Uh, Majinski was coming off uh, an injury-marred, injury-shortened sophomore season at South Carolina. He needed 2019 in the Cape Cod League to reestablish himself, but uh, that aside, uh, Majinski maintains the storylines aren't all that similar. I mean, I think you could probably say that a little bit for me than for him. Um, I mean, he hit over like 400 last year and then won the MVP in the Cape and then hit over 400 again this year. So I'm not going to say he's an underdog. I think he probably gets a little less credit than he should just because, I don't know, I mean, when you hit 12 home runs in 16 games in the spring, that's that's more than enough talking uh, just with your performance. But, I mean, I don't view him as an underdog at all. I mean, I think he can be an MVP-type caliber player. But, I mean, for myself, I mean, obviously I missed last year, so I, I definitely missed some time. But obviously I had to climb out of that. But ever since then, I feel like I've been been on a pretty good road with it. Robert Morris has a press conference scheduled for this afternoon at 1 o'clock out in Moon Township. That's right. They're still doing press conferences, or at least uh, the Colonials are resuming press conferences as we used to know them. 
Uh, the school is poised to announce uh, it's uh, joining the Horizon League uh, for 2021. Uh, the Colonials have been a member of the Northeast Conference uh, since they started playing Division One basketball in 1981. This is a significant jump. It's not uh, the best of the best, but uh, the Horizon League is a conference uh, that, well, you can get to the Final Four from there. You can get to the national championship game from there. Butler did that in 2010 and 2011 when it was a member of the Horizon League. In terms of the current members of the Horizon League, Cleveland State, Detroit Mercy, Wisconsin Green Bay, and Wisconsin-Milwaukee have all won games in the NCAA tournament. This has been a multi-bid conference uh, at times over the years. Uh, its teams can get there and win games. If if you're RMU and, and you win the Northeast, it's great. Everybody rushes the floor as they did back in March, and then usually you go to the NCAA tournament and you lose to Duke or you lose to uh, Kentucky <laughs> or you lose to whatever the highest-rated teams are. You go take your beating and, and get some nice parting gifts. But uh, it, it's a little more serious in the Horizon League. That's a big deal for RMU. Uh, the PGA uh, returned uh, – over the weekend, actually started last Thursday down at Fort Worth, Texas. The Colonial was staged without fans, but uh, competitive golf was back. Daniel Berger uh, won the event uh, on the first playoff hole. He was able to to get down in par after registering a 15 under 206 through the first four rounds. Colin Morikawa uh, was also 15 under, but he bogeyed the first playoff hole, and that gave Berger his third. Uh, PGA Tour career victory. Denny Hamlin uh, was the NASCAR winner at the Homestead Miami Speedway. NASCAR's been back for a little while now. Uh, yes, they they did it without, uh, excuse me, with fans at Homestead. Uh, not a bunch of fans, but a thousand of them. Pretty sparse. Uh, most but... of, most mm-hmm. of, most of those, according to the AP, were uh, invited military members who were allowed to bring a guest. Oh wow! Easing so, back into uh, it. I, I didn't catch any of the race, Val. Was it any different, uh, you know, with a few fans instead of none? I can't imagine it would be that different. <laughs> I didn't watch the race either, but I did see video of, of it on the news. So, Oh, there's a guy. There's a guy. There's a guy. There's right. another yeah. one. <laughs> uh, didn't get to this one last week, but I wanted to get to it uh, today. Uh, Aaron Portsline in The Athletic uh, de- detailed a change in philosophy from Blue Jackets head coach John Tortorella, who uh, is no longer adamant uh, that his players stand for the national anthem. Uh, You might remember back in uh, 2016 at the World Cup of Hockey, Tortorella uh, was famous for his declaration, quote, if any of my players sit on the bench for the national anthem, they will sit there the rest of the game. Uh, Tortorella's son, Nick, is an Army Ranger, And he had this to say uh, about uh, his evolving philosophy to the athletic, quote, when I stand for the flag and the national anthem, my reflection is solely on the men and women who have given their lives defending our country and constitution and freedom, along with those who are serving today. I have learned over the years, listening and watching, that men and women who choose to kneel during this time mean no disrespect toward the flag. I would hope that if one of my players wanted to protest during the anthem, He would bring it to me and we would talk about it, tell me his thoughts and what he wanted to do. From there, we would bring it to the team to discuss it, much like it's being discussed in our country right now. How can we rectify some of these problems? What? 
you know it's bad when Tortorella starts making sense. This is this has gotten way, way, way out of hand. I think what uh, some of us are starting to realize, myself definitely, uh, regardless of what your thoughts are on the anthem, on statues, on things of that nature, there's a far bigger and far more significant uh, picture that we're dealing with here. Uh, my hope would be that we can eliminate the reasons that people want to protest, and then we don't have to argue about it. That should be the goal. That should have been the goal yes. all along. Instead of, of getting sidetracked on a flag or a statue, let's keep our eye on the ball and deal with what we have to deal with. That we have The things that uh, have been ignored and have been wrong for far too long in the country's history, let's make it uh, so that everybody feels the pride and, and the inclusion and the opportunity that America is supposed to present. And uh, we get that done. We don't have to worry about the small stuff, right? Amen to that. Well Mike. said, Mike. Thanks for sports, Mike. Sean Casey, the mayor, always delightful to have him in or on for a visit. So he'll join us next. It's the DVE Morning Show. It's a DVE morning show. I'm Val Porter with Bill Crawford and Mike Rasuda, producer Joe Rakicki. Joining us now, the always delightful, the mayor, Sean Casey. <laughs> What's up, guys? How we doing? Happy Monday to you guys. Yeah, happy, happy Monday, Monday to you. You're always so energetic. <laughs> you know what? I, Val, I got to get my call. I was just thinking to myself, man, I, I, I just got up. I, you know, usually I hit the program coffee at night, but I forgot last night. I'm like, oh, I got to call TV before I get my coffee. And so I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Do it. Stepping in You're the batter's box without go. your gloves on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No big deal. Just, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like getting in the batter's box, no batting gloves, no nothing. Just, uh, you know, naked. Here we go. <laughs> okay so let's uh let's start with uh the espn show last night uh the mcguire sosa show uh I, I from what i saw of that it it seemed just as exciting as it was back in 98 but you had a pretty uh, interesting perspective on that just kind of taking your first significant steps in the big leagues what do you remember most about that summer Oh my God, Mike! It brought me back too watching last night. Like I literally, I was a rookie. I was a twenty-three-year-old wide-eyed kid. I just come back from. I got traded to the Reds opening day that year. I I, I had an injury early on, and I, I had an orbital fracture. So I was coming back from that. So I was coming back for that in like June, right? Right, June, July when it was really heating up. And um, mm -hmm. you know, it's crazy because. I remember, like, I when I first got to the big leagues, I was still a fan. So I was like, oh, man, it's so cool that I'm here. But I was like, oh, my God, I actually have to get some hits. Like, stay here? You know, it was like one of those things. Like, I was like, you know. It, 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 and so I was, like, torn because when McGuire was Sosa was happening, man, it, it was a larger than – they were saying last night that it felt bigger than, the, than any World Series ever. It was, man. It was larger than life. And I played the Cardinals. We played them 18 times. And the Cubs 18 times. So we were, I was like literally right in the middle of the race. But I remember I got a great story. So it was like June or July, I think. We were playing the, we were playing the, um, the Cardinals. And like I said, I had just come back from that eye injury, but I was a few weeks back. And, and uh, 
a full house in Cincy. It's probably 60,000 people, 55,000 at Riverfront Synergy Field. And, and uh, we, we intensely walked walk McGuire in the first at bat. And, and I wasn't hitting great at the time, so I'm thinking, man, I, I might be getting sent down here soon. But I was like, at least I'll get to talk to Mark McGuire. You know what I mean? I was like, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> at least I get a conversation with Mark McGuire in the middle of one of the greatest run, home run chases ever, right? So, like, I go to walk over, and uh, the first base dugout's right there, you know, at Synergy. And, and, and uh, Jack McKean, our manager, is like, hey, Case, play behind him. Like, you you – you know, at first base, you always play behind the guys that can't steal bases. You don't hold those guys on because they're not going anywhere. And I'm like, and I remember thinking like, oh, man, I don't want to play behind them. I want to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I, I just want to get a quick conversation because, like, you know, I got, you know, I got a few things that have happened in my life. I played catch with Bob Feller. I've had a couple hits in the big leagues. And now if I get to talk to Mark McGuire, I'm like, you know, my life's complete. So he's like, play behind him. I'm like, pissed off. But I, I walk up close enough to be like, Hey, what's up, Big Mac? You know, like he's my buddy or something. Like he's Crawford, you know. I'm like, hey, what's up, Big Mac? And he's like, uh, he turns to me, he's like, hey, what's up, Sean? I was like, yes, freaking guy knows my name. Like, this is so cool. Right. So, so the next at bat comes along, we walk McGuire again. I'm like, that's it. I go, I'm not even looking in the dugout. I don't need directions. I'm 20. I'm a 23 year old grown man. I don't need directions from anybody. I'm holding McGuire on, and I'm getting a quick conversation in. So I go walking over. I, I, you know, I turn my back to the dugout. I start talking to McGuire. Hey, man, this is really cool. Uh, it's so cool watching you hit, uh, you know, batting practice. You hit him in the upper deck like no one else does. Freaking phenomenal. It's really been fun watching. He's like, oh, thanks a lot, Case. You know, really appreciate what a crazy run it's been. And, you know, and his son was the bat boy at the time. So I'm like, hey, is that cool having your son as the bat boy? You know, he's like, oh, yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> during, this, <laughs> during this time, I'm talking to McGuire. Jack McKeon is trying to get my attention to tell me to play behind him, right? But I don't even hear him because I'm so locked into this conversation with McGuire. <laughs> I don't even freaking hear anybody in the world. Like you could have, it could have been a nuclear bomb go off. I wouldn't even notice. And I was like, this is the greatest day of my life I'm talking to Mark McGuire, right? So, so next thing I know, the whole dugout's like, play behind him, Case. Play behind him. Play behind him. <laughs> now, they tell the, now they tell the pitcher, hey, step off. Step off. So the pitcher steps off. I got the freaking whole dugout, McKeon, and the whole. Now the players are pissed. They're like, dude, the game's delayed because Casey's not listening to anybody. So McGuire says to me, "Hey, Case, he goes, I think they want to. They want to get your attention in the dugout." So I turn around. They're like, "You're an idiot!" They're freaking dropping f bombs on me. Stay behind them. We've been yelling at you for five minutes to play five. So, so I end up playing behind McGuire. But anyway, that was like that was like, like moment of fame. I got that three. I got that three minute conversation with Mark McGuire. While everyone in the world was yelling at me to play behind him, but I really didn't care. It was great. <laughs> awesome. You're coming into the big leagues. You mentioned you know rookie year, and you're you're watching this unfold. It was like something nobody had seen since 1961. Or, or what's your reaction to that as a guy who is trying to figure out at this time if you belong where you are? Oh, well, th- that's what the, that, well, the great thing about where I was. I was, you know, my first year in the big leagues, and I knew I was witnessing history. And it was like, it was surreal. It was literally surreal. When I watched it last night on ESPN, I'm like, I, I can't believe I was there. Like, thank you, God, for like letting me be a part of that. <laughs> And I don't know if you guys saw, but I was on. I was in the documentary. If you freaking missed it, I don't know. I didn't get any royalties for it. I'm a little pissed off about that. But <laughs> McGuire hit number. <laughs> McGuire, McGuire, McGuire hit number sixty against us 
in St. Louis, right, off Dennis Reyes. And, they, when, and when he hit 60 last night, I'm, like, locked in. I, I, tell, I got my kids watched. I'm like, all right, kids, you ready? Here I am. And McGuire turns first, and bam, there I am. Like, I'm like, there I am right there. And, you know, right when, he, right, when he, uh, right, when he hit, right when he hit number six. So he hit six. How about this? This is really cool. He hit 60 against us, right? So I'm like, oh, man, this is unbelievable. Now, we're playing the, we're playing the, we're playing the um, Cardinals in St. Louis. So he hit 60 against us in a day game. And then, and then they, have, they have three games against the Cubs, oh, right? Yeah. And, then they come to, and then they come to Cincinnati, right? And mm-hmm. um, so, so he hits number 60, and I'm like, so everyone's thinking when he hits 61 or 62, you know, what's going to happen? How is everyone going to react? And so I remember thinking to myself, oh, my God, if he hits one against the Cubs and then hits 62 in Cincy, I was like, I was thinking as a first base, what's my reaction? I was like, I'll be the first guy to see him. I'm going to give him a huge hug when he rounds first base as soon as he hits number 62. <laughs> that's, the, that's what I was thinking. But anyway, he ends up hitting 61. And then remember, he had 62 off Traxel in Chicago. And Mark Grace gave the old a high five slap on the butt, you know, to him when he was yeah. rounding the bases. But they, they came to Cincinnati the next night. 55,000 sold out crowd. Tony LaRusso didn't have him in the lineup, and McGuire went up to LaRusso and said, "Hey, listen, all these people are here to see me. I just hit 62 yesterday. I got to play." So he he was he was gracious enough to play his first two at bats in Cincinnati the night after he hit 62. So it was just it's unbelievable. And and I don't and I hate to even not talk about Sosa because what Sosa was doing was unbelievable too. It was just it was an unbelievable summer. Oh yeah, 20 home runs in June. For Sosa, I mean, 21 homers in 22 games, like he was on fire because at the beginning, remember, Case, it was um, Griffey was in the mix. And then all of yeah. a sudden, and then all of a sudden Sosa comes out of nowhere. But one thing I didn't see, I don't, I didn't remember about that season was that the table was set from 97 because McGuire hit 58 knocks in, in, in 97. So right from the jump, the pressure was there. The stage was set. And then he hits 61 at home with the Maris family there on his dad's 61st birthday. Like, that yeah. is just, that's the stuff of legend. I mean, that whole season was just insane. No, you're right, Bill. You're right. Because he hit that 58 the year before. You're right. Coming in, they're like, oh, maybe he's the guy that could beat Maris. And, yeah, for him, that was a cool part of the story. When he said he hit 61 on his dad's 61st birthday, I was like, you know, the, you know, the universe knows, I don't know. It's just amazing stuff. And, and mm-hmm. like, just, uh, you're right. But, but, but even the Sosa stuff, cause I was, it was great for me too. Like, like I said, I had that front row seat. Like I played against Sosa and McGuire. They're in my division. So like when we would go, when we went to Wrigley, I know a few of those were hit against the Reds because we were just throwing poop soup up there. Freaking like we were like, <laughs> hey, as far as you can. You know, we're going to, we're going to throw this in. Jose Acevedo is going to throw this in there. 87 with no sink. See how far you can hit it, so it's real quick. And he was like, boom, and just like Wayland Avenue. Here we come. You know what I mean? So, like, uh, you know, I watched, I watched Sosa just crushing balls, too. And, that, and when he hit that, well, yeah, what was that, 21 bombs in 22 days or something ridiculous? Like, it was just, it was next level. But to watch them go back and forth, that was cool. Like, when, when McGuire got to 62 and Sosa was at 58, and then next thing you know, Sosa was at, it was tied 62 all. I mean, it was a, it was unbelievable, unbelievable history. Jeez. 
Case, does the steroid element uh, change your remembrance of it at all? It doesn't appear to bother Sammy Sosa based on what he said last night. (laughs) And uh, uh, McGuire has been sort of, he's had a difficult time, I think, expressing what he feels about it. But uh, in retrospect, they feel any differently about it now than you did then? No, I don't. As a matter of fact, I think now that I'm older and I I can look back and really appreciate it, I, I appreciate it more. I don't know. I have so many mixed emotions about the steroid stuff just because, you know, I was I was in that era and, uh, you know, whatever, you know, and, I, and not everyone was doing steroids. Like, you know, I know those guys are, you know, obviously in, in the mix for that and all that stuff. But I, I want to tell you this, and I don't even know if this means anything, but I played with a, a bunch of kids who were on steroids and they were worse. They were worse. I'm like, I was like, hey, you need to get off that HG. You need to get off that HGH and that Andro as quick as possible because you were terrible. You were better last year when you were not on. <laughs> how about how? How about how Sosa looks like his appearance? I mean, I just seeing the footage of him back in the day. You know, he's this young, good-looking guy who's just hitting jacks all over the place, and now he looks like he owns. A vampire restaurant. I, it's he's got the strangest look going on. I don't know what that is. <laughs> he, does, he definitely does look a little lighter and a little different. He definitely looks a little different. Uh, but yeah, I haven't seen Sosa in years. It was definitely different seeing him now than when uh, he played twenty years ago. <laughs> what are we going to see this summer? Case forty-eight games, uh, full proration, and. Uh... We'll see what we see, or do you think there's still a chance that they get something hammered out? 48 games, Mikey. Can you imagine that? Who wants to see 48 games of Major League Baseball? The whole point is, you know, it's a marathon. I, I I, hope they hammer something out and we get more games than 48. It just would be weird to even play the season if it's 48 games. So I'm hoping they, 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 they iron something out, figure it out, and, uh, you know, we, we can get some Major League Baseball here, hopefully at least 78 to 80, 81 games. Well, Case, always great to have you on. That was an awesome story oh about you and Mark McGuire. That was great. That, that's Wait, another Sean Casey story that will uh, go down in history. We'll we'll be listening to that for a long time. And don't forget this, Val, real quick. My, my, when I got married in 1999, and I gave my uh, I gave all my groomsmen groomsmen bats. And one of the bats I gave was I was holding on, on McGuire a couple weeks later. I was like, hey, bro, I'm getting married in, uh, in a few months. Any chance you can send over a bat for one of my groomsmen? He was like, yeah. The, he looked at me like, this guy's got problems. And then he sent me over a bat. Though. So somebody, somebody in my bridal party uh, in, my, in my groomsmen, uh, one of my groomsmen has a Mark McGuire bat for that you get from that season. <laughs> wow. What a gift. Yeah, what really. A gift. Yeah, I love it. You should have one, Billy. You had, maybe you would have had it, pal. I <laughs> the mayor, Sean Casey, as always, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, guys. Good talking. See you soon. Right. It's you a days. DVE morning. Pittsburgh. A former National Security Advisor's memoir about his time with the Trump administration will soon hit shelves. John Bolton's tell-all set to come out June 23rd. Even though the White House tried to stop its release, President Trump reportedly said Bolton could release the book as long as he was not in office, saying the book is full of classified national security secrets. Well, you know how the like Rolling Stones Sticky Fingers album came with like actual it had like fuzzy stuff on it you know what I mean 
And like his should have like a real mustache on it. Like it should be <laughs> like you should be able to pet the mustache. And then you can use it as a like a golf spike cleaner also. Or a bookmark. You could take it off and then use it as a, a bookmark for the rest of the read. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It is seven minutes after eight at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center. Severe Weather Center 11. It's 58 degrees now at DVE. The news is brought to us by Window Nation. I'm Val Porter. Police in Jefferson Hills say an officer involved in a head-on collision last week has passed away. Officer Dale Provins was driving a police cruiser June 3rd along Old Clareton Road when it collided with a pickup truck. Jefferson Hills police announced Saturday the 15-year veteran of the force died from extensive injuries sustained in that accident. It's believed Provins was headed northbound and the truck southbound when they collided on the northbound side side of the road. President Trump is back at the White House today after celebrating his 74th birthday with his family at his Bedminster, New Jersey golf club. The White House gave no details on how the president celebrated yesterday. Local cases of COVID-19 remain low. No deaths in western Pennsylvania from Saturday into Sunday. Just three new positive cases in Allegheny and Westmoreland counties and no new cases in any other counties in our area. And that's a week after we went into the green phase. So we should keep doing what we're doing because it seems like we're doing Mm -hmm. the right thing. Dr. Anthony Fauci says anything that looks like normal won't return anytime soon. Speaking with The Telegraph, the top infectious disease expert said he hopes a sense of normalcy will return within a year or so. That's a quote. However, he's not looking for that to happen in the upcoming fall or even winter. In the bid to return to normal, Fauci said there are multiple coronavirus vaccines which are making significant progress. Fauci also shared some words of hope as the battle against the virus continues. He said, quote unquote, this will end. And despite the country starting to reopen, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is reminding people to continue to social distance as the coronavirus is still spreading. The CDC released fresh guidelines on Friday, encouraging people to evaluate the risk of infection in their everyday lives. The directions reminded those traveling to check with the CDC's specific guidelines for each type of travel. Maintaining a distance of at least six feet and frequent hand washing are still encouraged. CDC strongly encouraging those at large gatherings, especially ones that involve chanting or yelling or singing, to use a cloth face covering. And complaints against bars and restaurants in New York for not following those social distancing guidelines are pouring into the state. At his news conference yesterday, Governor Andrew Cuomo said the state got 25,000 complaints about large gatherings of people not social distancing or wearing masks at bars and restaurants. I mean, that's a lot. Cuomo that is a lot. Bar and, bar and restaurant owners who violate the law. The highest number of complaints in Manhattan and the Hamptons on Long Island. Governor said local governments must crack down on violators and enforce the law or else he will roll back the reopening, further reopening in those areas. What to me is the most surprising about that is that there's an there's enough people out there that are willing to go out and be at a restaurant or bar, but also uh, wary enough to complain about it. Like, I think it's that slippery slope of 
if you have in your mind, like, all right, I just want to go out. I want to go to a restaurant. You're kind of like ready to take a greater risk. Right. And so mm -hmm. it, 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 I don't know why logically to me, I, I see a little bit of, um, difficulty there making the change from, all right, I'm ready to risk it to, well, they're not letting me risk it in a way that I feel safe. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm comfortable being in small groups of friends and yep. I would be comfortable going into a restaurant where the tables were spread out or it's every couple tables or whatever. But I saw those, you know, the news videos of those bars and restaurants in New York. They are slam packed. Oh, yeah. I, saw I would not do that. <laughs> I saw pictures. A couple of buddies of mine went out and they were just tweeting pictures out like, hey, you know, first night out with the wifey. Haven't been out in a while. Bar pictures where it is. It's shoulder to shoulder. I mean, it's there's, yeah. there's no distancing. Well, a Redondo Beach gym taking social distancing to the extreme by putting customers in their very own workout pods. Inspire South Bay Fitness reopens today with plastic square pods made out of PVC pipe and shower curtains spaced across the floor. The owner says that idea was a lot cheaper than plexiglass that would have cost thousands of dollars. Customers will have to sanitize their hands, have their temperature taken and sign a waiver before getting their pod that has dumbbells and other equipment inside. But aren't you just like, you have to clean the pod then. Right. And I, I don't know. I can't imagine the pod in my head, but all I have that I'm picturing is that the, um, the Halloween costume in karate, uh, the karate kid where he has the shower curtain around himself. Yeah. That's basically what I imagine. <laughs> what the hell? Just work out at your house. Get, you know, buy some yeah. dumbbells. I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't know the I don't know that the logic there, but sorry, we can't have our, class for two more weeks. We gotta clean all these pods. <laughs> do you think you're a spontaneous person? If you mm. do or you are, you're probably happier than your non spontaneous peers, friends, or family. A new survey found people who consider themselves spontaneous are forty percent more likely to call themselves a happy person. And they are 38% more likely to say they are satisfied with their life. What about you, Val? Are you spontaneous? Uh, kind of. I mean, you know, when you have pets, it's a little tougher to be spontaneous. But to some right. extent, yeah. How about you? Um, I'm spontaneous with, like, stupid stuff. Like, I'll spontaneously go to Home Depot and buy a, a fire pit <laughs> kit. Or something like that. But I can't, you know, when you have kids, you can't really just be like, oh, on a whim, let's just, you have, you have to be a little bit more methodical. You have to plan. Yeah. When you have responsibilities, it's tougher. Yeah. I'm spontaneous when I'm drunk. <laughs> like you'll spontaneously throw up after you've had one too many or, <laughs> or go to another bar or do something that I probably wouldn't do if I actually thought it and planned it and considered it. Right. Let's take this party to the casino. Most of the rest Sex of the time, I like to map things out, map out my day. Mm -hmm. 
Sex activity levels are decreasing among young Americans. A San Diego State University study looked at the frequency in which more than 9,000 young adults were having sex, as well as the number of partners they had. And the study found between 2016 and 2018, 30.9% of 18 24-year-old men who had lower incomes were sexually inactive. Women 25 to 34 also having a lot less sex. The study suggested young adults are slowing down when it comes to taking steps to transitioning into adulthood, such as living with a significant other or having kids. Professor of psychology at San Diego State University, Gene Twenge, says it is part of a broader cultural trend toward delayed development. So hmm. failure to launch. Yeah. She went on to say another reason for the decrease is people have more choices when it comes to what they do at night, thanks to social media and streaming services. Yeah, this is a weird time to grow up. I mean, you know, with with the advent of social media and all of the streaming services and it just seemingly be more easy than ever to not go out like when we grew up. You had to get out of the house. Imagine how you feel during COVID, and that's how you felt pretty much by every Friday because <laughs> there was nothing going on. Your parents would just be like, get the hell out of the house, go in the alley, take a stick, and have fun, and and don't come back till the streetlights come on. <laughs> and now but this, these kids have wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. How much fun did you have with a stick? Not a lot of fun. That's my point. <laughs> we used to go play in the crick. Right. We played in the crick, too. And it was called Bleep Crick because it was literally <laughs> where everybody's toilet water came out. That's where we were playing. Did you run into Probably Arnold not Slick? <laughs> I didn't, but it was, it was downstream from Turtle Crick. I'll tell you that. It, that's... <laughs> A lot of people in Forest Hills like ended up somehow in uh, in my crick. I don't know this thing about the the you know the reason younger people aren't having sex as much is because of delayed like the failure to launch thing. How many movies were there made about teenagers having sex? I mean, how does that have an effect on it? I don't know. It's a good question, I but know. I mean. I, internet porn has probably hasn't been a great thing for the teenagers well, that now. Too, I mean, yeah. it, that too. you know, they're like, why, why care about it? You know, we had to sneak it into a, like a tree house in the woods, like a magazine, <laughs> you know, you had to have a hard copy of something. Now it's, it's, it's all online. It's just, it's too much. There's too much, um, stimulation that doesn't and involve going out. Other people, right. And if they're watching too much porn, then they might have porn brains so they can't function with a human. So, Right. Because they're, they're, they're too far gone. Long gone <laughs> right. summer. In a different way. Mo Model Chrissy Teigen still laughing over the card her four-year-old daughter Luna gave her after Teigen had her breast implants removed. On one side of the card, it said, have fun pulling your boobies out. Love, Luna. The other side read, bye, boobies. Uh, Tegan said she planned to have the implants removed for a, quite a while, and she absolutely regretted having them done back when she was 20. She said her surgery went well, and the card made her laugh and forget about how sore she was, even if it was just for a moment.
The new Beatles documentary getting pushed back, get back from director Peter Jackson is getting delayed from its slated September opening due to the pandemic. The film documents the recording sessions from the Let It Be album. It will now open in August of next year uh, rather than September of this year. Dave Chappelle is talking about George Floyd in his new comedy special, 846. Chappelle thanks the young people who are protesting and talks about his own near-death experiences. The special's name refers to the amount of time George Floyd was pinned to the ground by Minneapolis police. It was also the time of day Chappelle was born, he explains. The special is available now on Netflix's YouTube comedy channel called Netflix is a Joke. And finally, support is growing for a petition asking to have statues of Britney Spears or Dolly Parton replace Confederate monuments across Louisiana. More than 25,000 people have signed the petition calling on the state's top officials and the legislature to replace those monuments. The petition says the move would honor an actual Louisiana hero since Brittany has donated to numerous Hurricane Katrina relief funds and supports flood recovery programs. The state has almost three dozen Confederate monuments. If they are going to go with Brittany... Please just don't make it the one where she has a shaved head and she's chasing her car with an umbrella. Make it a nicer Britney one. Yeah. So 25,000 people for Britney's, about 4,000 have signed a petition to erect statues of Dolly in place of Confederate figures in Tennessee. The petitioner there writing, history should not be forgotten, but we need not glamorize those who do not deserve our praise. Instead, let us honor a true Tennessee hero, Dolly Parton. Is it possible to have a statue of Dolly Parton stand? And would that not present a danger in case it topples over? Because she's so short? Uh, No. She's, yeah, not proportional. Yeah. (laughs) That. First statue with a kickstand. (laughs) That could put the public at risk. You better prop that thing up. I'll tell you, if there's somebody I could hang out with, I would want to hang out with Dolly. She seems so fun and delightful. Right. And sweet. Still. Yes. She isn't she didn't For, she just do a thing at the beginning of this uh the quarantine where she was reading books to your children at bed? I mean she Yep. She's she's the sweetest. Mm-hmm. Forecast today looks like it's going to be a decent day. We should have a little bit of sun, maybe a chance of rain up our 70s for the high today. It's 58 at DVE. Mike Pursuta on the way with sports. What do you got coming up, Mike? Uh, we're going to continue introducing you guys to uh, Carmen Majinski, the uh, Pirates' second selection in last week's draft, 31st overall. Different guy and uh, interesting because of that. Very good. Looking forward to that. It's the DVE Morning Show. Alaska and Hawaii. DVE Sports. I'm Mike Pursuta for DVE Sports, brought to you this hour by Dormont Appliance. We told you last year about Pirates' uh, 31st overall draft pick, Carmen Majinski, and his background as a competitive dishwasher growing up in the Majinski household. (laughs) Dad, put 245 on the microwave. I got a feeling this is the night. (laughs) Let's uh, continue uh, delving into who Carmen Majinski is and uh, what he's all about. This hour, uh, the guy's different. Uh, The dishwashing established that. So does this. 
Uh, he is a rare old school guy in a new age. No Twitter, no Instagram, not uh, a social media guy by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, so I don't have any social media. Um, not going to say I never did. I think my mom made me make a Twitter in high school or something like that. But I don't know. just never really was around it. Um, what? Didn't really grow up in a very, like, social media household, I guess you could say. I mean, I didn't really – I didn't have any video games or I didn't even have a phone until I was, like, 16 or something. But just not, not big into the social media and just really never have been, so – I love this guy already, Bill. <laughs> Mike, his mom made him make a Twitter account. What? He's like, hurry up, Majinski, make a Twitter account, and then get downstairs for the dish race. What? <laughs> Where did he grow up? Uh, you know, he said he got his phone when he was 16. It was, he told us on that Zoom call, he's Still got an iPhone 5. I guess that's an old model, uh, well out of date. Oh, my God, yeah. He said a lot of people give him uh, crap about that, but he's going to keep it because it still works. Uh, he, he might be a young guy, but uh, perhaps he's one with an old soul, and uh, uh, perhaps that's something that uh, Carmen Majinski has chosen to develop over the years. Yeah, growing up on Hilton, it's pretty easy to go play some golf. So I like playing some golf, especially being a pitcher. I mean, you got – you got some time to get out there and hit the links. But, yeah, I mean, big into music, too. That's another big part of my life. I play a couple of instruments. I play uh, guitar and piano. So and grew up listening to classic rock and, and kind of the old music like that with my with my dad and my mom. So just kind of just an old, old timer, I guess. I mean, I don't hate Led Zeppelin at all. But I've been – me and my brother have been, been listening more into, the, like, the 90s stuff. So Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. Uh, STP, I mean Nirvana, nice. just just the good old '90s stuff. But I mean, I'm I'm anywhere from like probably like '65 through '95 is what I listen to. Which to okay, him, the now, '90s is the old stuff, right? Now, now it makes sense. Now, it, I mean, he grew up in in Hilton Head, so he's hanging out at the Salty Dog and and going on, you know, playing. Uh, golf and, and I mean that island is beautiful. He's probably hanging out in Harbor Town. Yeah, there's no real reason to be hanging out on Facebook. Yeah, I think he's got the music thing uh, pretty well figured out. Uh, so, sounds hey, like guys. our kind of guy. So, sounds like the Pirates kind of guy. He has reportedly hit 99 on the radar gun, but his baseball bona fides uh, are at least as much about the variety of pitches that he's able to throw uh, as they are how hard he throws them. So right now I throw a, uh, a, a sinker, essentially. I mean, some people can call it a two-seam or a sinker. Um, that's my predominant fastball. I also mix in a four-seam fastball. And then my secondary stuff is um, I throw a cutter slash kind of slider. It's kind of morphed between a slider and cutter. I'm actually working on getting that more, a little more towards a power slider than a cutter right now. And then I throw a, uh, a curveball on top of that and a changeup. So – that's kind of the repertoire I've built. It should be consistently a four-pitch mix. I don't see myself pulling away from any of those anytime soon. Um, and then just in the development side of all that, I mean, I came into college throwing mainly four-seam and mainly a spike curveball. And that whole – I want to say my whole freshman year was kind of just a, 
an experiment year for me. I mean, I really didn't have a whole lot of time to develop in high school and kind of figure out what I was going to use in college. So that whole, really that whole freshman year for me was just finding out what was going to work for me. So I switched to a sinker. So I started mixing that in with the four seam my freshman year and then learned a slider um, that freshman year, which eventually kind of turned into just more of like a, a hard curve slash slider. kind of depends on what you want to call it, but had those going my freshman year. And then that off season going into my sophomore year was when I added the cutter. Um, so that kind of gave me a three pitch mix and then a change up was something that I'd always thrown throughout my, my college career, but didn't really fully grasp it until really this past year for me. So I'll tell you guys, his age who are competitive dishwashers that like classic rock and are that detailed about what they throw, man, these guys don't come around very often. Uh, welcome to Pittsburgh. Wow. Eventually, Carmen Majinski, uh, press conference out in Moon Township today. That's right. The media is actually going to go to a place and be in the same place and listen to people talk. In this case, it's going to be about Robert Morris announcing its move to the Horizon League. As big a deal as that is for Andy Tool's basketball program, and that is a significant deal for Andy Tool's basketball program. I'm just, uh, I couldn't be more excited to actually get out of my, my <laughs> den here and put real clothes on and uh, drive my car to an event. I might have to tape my digital recorder to a hockey stick and reach it uh, across, but hey, whatever it takes. Uh, real media coming back, baby. That's what I was going to ask you, Mike. Uh, you, you you have to use a hockey stick or a telescoping paint pole or something because you know you can't you can't get too close. You still got a distance. But we're going to be. Uh, it, it's another step back toward reality and normalcy. Uh, couldn't be more they, excited about the. Are they having it like in the gymnasium so everybody can spread out and? Or the it, it is at field? the. It is at the arena. I'm not mm -hmm. quite sure exactly how they're going to have it set up, but I imagine it'll be well-spaced. And I also imagine this will be the most well-attended press conference in Robert Morris history. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a fairly significant deal. The Horizon League, it's a good step up for the program, but the, the subject material does not matter. They could be announcing it's they're changing the something. school colors from red, white, and blue mm -hmm. to blue, white, and red. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're going to gather. <laughs> we're going to bust each other's chops. We're going to write stuff down. We're going to record things, and I'm going to play them on this show tomorrow. Yeah, nice. baby. <laughs> PGA came back uh, over the weekend. Uh, Daniel Berger, the winner in uh, one playoff hole after Sunday's final round at the Colonial in Fort Worth, Texas. Denny Hamlin, the NASCAR winner at the Homestead. Miami Speedway. He was followed by Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney. That race was observed by uh, an invited crowd of a thousand. Uh, according to the Associated Press, most of those were military members who were allowed to bring a guest. And uh, a significant development on Friday for a number of reasons. Uh, Clemson University announced that it was renaming its John C. Calhoun Honors College to the Clemson University Honors College. John C. Calhoun was uh, a lot of things back in the day. Uh, former vice president of the United States under a couple of presidents, a former senator, a former secretary of war, a former secretary of state. He was also a former slave owner. And uh, even though he had uh, donated the land of what used to be his plantation 
to uh, Clemson University to build the campus on. Uh, that did not sit well with a lot of people associated with Clemson University. Among them, uh, former Clemson football players DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson. They had uh, revealed early last week that they joined a petition that was circulating to have John C. Calhoun's name removed from the Clemson University Honors College. The Board of Trustees announced that that, in fact, would be the case on Friday. Uh, University President Jim Clements said in a statement, quote, our trustees' leadership sends a clear message that Clemson University intends to be a place where all our students, employees, and guests feel welcome. Our work in this area is far from finished, but we are committed to building on the progress we have made in areas of diversity and inclusivity as we strive to serve our entire state and the nation. Uh, that's a happy ending on uh, a lot of fronts. The most, Not the least significant of which I should say is that uh, it was done the way you're supposed to get things done in this country. You voice your opposition to something and you garner support uh, that supports your position and you go through channels and sometimes the right thing happens, Bill. Yeah, I mean, people are still going to be pissed about it, but it they don't have nearly the uh, the weaponry to to combat it, other than just saying, "Well, I just disagree." You're now you're tearing history down, and it really isn't about tearing down history. It's about what we're trying to build up now, and it's about procedure, right? It's not they, you know, they didn't just destroy the honors college because they didn't like who was named after. They went about. Uh, the process of getting it changed, and it happened in, in relatively uh, quick uh, and easy fashion, as it turns out. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's good stuff down there at Clemson. Thanks, Mike. Uh, when we come back, uh, Bill's got uh, some information about you know his activities over the weekend. <laughs> they are hilarious. Uh, I burst out <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Bill sent us some videos this morning. It's the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. Did you share those on social media? I I shared it a little bit on on Instagram. Yeah, I put a story up. It's a, about ordering mulch for the first time in bulk, and uh, <laughs> might have gotten a little, a little too much. Might have got a little too much mulch. We'll talk about. Uh, that's when we come back. It's the DV Morning Show. It is the DVE Morning Show. I'm Val Porter, along with Mike Pursuta and Bill Crawford, Joe Rikiki, our producer. And we had just another absolutely beautiful weekend. Per- I mean, the weather couldn't have been more perfect. Sunshine, Gorgeous. no humidity, just nice temperatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and you did plenty of outside <laughs> activity this weekend, didn't you, Bill? <laughs> I did. And and it was so stupid. Um, I, you know, my daughter is actually Emma is turning nine today. Today is her birthday. Oh, happy birthday, so, Emma. Happy birthday to, to my little Emma Ruth, my little Emmy my Two gosh. Teens, my little Emma Bean. Nine, Val. She's nine. Oh, and, I can't believe uh, it. And and so I always try to do, you know, I've turned into my dad. It does, you don't know exactly when it's going to happen. Nobody gives you, you know, um, a reminder. Nobody gives you a heads up. It just happens one day. And whenever my daughter's, I, I always have her birthday party here. I always use it as an excuse to do projects that really have nothing to do with her party. Like, he's like, oh, her birthday's, <laughs> her birthday party's coming up. So I better dry lock the basement. Or, you know, oh, 
She, her birthday's around the corner, so I better put that glass block window in the furnace room. Um, <laughs> I just do something that has no impact on the party at all. Like, oh, it's an outdoor party? Better paint the living room. Um, and so <laughs> leading up to this birthday party, I decided that I wanted to mulch my yard and mulch <laughs> that I have a couple well, uh, nice landscaping beds. Yeah. Yeah, you had an outdoor party, right? So you want the yard to look sure. nice. And it's even though it's the front yard and they just walk right by it to the backyard where the party is, I still wanted it to have some nice curb appeal. Right. The problem is, is that I've only ever used bags of mulch. Okay. And I don't know how much is in a bag of mulch. I have no idea. But I know that it takes roughly 20 to 30 bags to fill the beds that I have. And since I have a Mini Cooper <laughs> and there is no such thing as an Uber pickup truck, I decided to <laughs> order in bulk for the first time. So I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus here. I, it's on me. I called the guy who helped me with the landscaping uh, last year and said, hey, I need some mulch. You think eight to 10 yards would be good? And he goes, yeah, that should do it. Okay. So <laughs> I order. Did eight he yards sell you the mulch? mulch. <laughs> yeah, he might have had a conflict of interest. Kickback. No, he, so, so, he so I order eight yards. Okay. My dad says, why don't I come over and help you? And I said, Dad, I don't need that much help. It's just eight yards. I'm just going to do the, you know, <laughs> real quick. I'm going to do the mulching in the front yard and be done with it. I got so many other things to do to prepare for this party. So he shows up and uh, and then they show up with a dump truck and the dump <laughs> truck backs up onto my driveway and dumps a mountain of mulch on my driveway, <laughs> blocking my car in. I couldn't leave for three days. I, it's it's a full dump truck, full. A full dump truck. And <laughs> apparently, as soon as they dumped it, I'm like, apparently I sell mulch now. I have to figure out a way to get rid of this mulch. I just started hitting my neighbors up. I'm like, does anybody... Because I mulched all the yards. <laughs> they tell you like you're supposed to spread it like an inch and a half, two inches if you're crazy uh, in the beds. I got a good four or five inches of, uh, of mulch <laughs> in each of these beds and still had a mound. I couldn't get rid of this stuff. So now I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm mulching everything. Everything I've ever thought, <laughs> should I mulch that? I'm mulching it. And, uh, and it was, it was Mulch absurd. People were driving by. Yeah. I mean, people were driving by and laughing at me from their car. <laughs> yeah. You know, Bill, I feel your pain, but did you just stumble on a brilliant idea when you mentioned there is no Uber pickup truck? What if there was, and then we all wouldn't have go. to continue to be a, be a pain in the neck to the one guy we know that has a pickup. Hey, can you move my couch? Can you do this? Can you do yeah. that? Just get your own Uber pickup truck. Take care <laughs> of your own business. <laughs> I, I know. love this idea. You actually, I think, can even uh, You could deliver mulch in it, Bill. Yeah, because I still have some left over. My neighbor <laughs> mulched his whole yard. 
Okay, I I got into the backyard. I started mulching areas that really didn't need it at all. But I'm like, I have to dig this out. I can't leave until I do this. So I screwed myself. I mean, it was just, it was an, an absolute disaster of a project that I got myself into. I mean, it looks great. It it does. It looks it looks phenomenal. <laughs> Did the uh, guy who sold you the mulch ask how many houses you have? <laughs> No, but all my neighbors did. The get the guy that sold us the mulch gets gets out and he goes, "Yeah, man, that's a lot of mulch." He goes, "Hey, uh, <laughs> I get off at five if you need help uh, digging this out." And and I said, "No, nah, man, I should be good because I still didn't realize how much it was. I mean, until you oh know, my gosh, my eighteenth wheelbarrow full, and I'm like, this isn't this isn't going away." Well, from if I remember properly from mulching experiences here, I believe an F-150 bed is about a yard and a half, maybe. That's and you got eight so, yards. I think I needed eight <laughs> feet. I think I needed eight cubic feet. <laughs> I got probably at least seven or eight times the amount that I needed. Oh, why don't you just um, put a stick? Because, you know, if you put anything out on the sidewalk, somebody comes along and takes it. You should just put a sign in it. Free mulch. and People will come and take it. Oh, no. I mean, look, I I, I'm I'm a good neighbor now. I am in good standing. I have I've hooked other people up. I've I've offered it. They've taken it. And uh, and and we 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 ended up getting rid of it. But it was it was a lot. Yeah. (laughs) It was a whole lot. Just the the video after you're done mulching, how much you still have left. <laughs> I just, I, made me oh. laugh so hard. Uh, I can't even believe it. A, That's a great. Mountain. A mountain of it. <laughs> well, I'm glad Stupid. that you were able to get rid of all of it. And uh, your neighbors are, are yeah, like you said, you're you're set for life now. You you're the good, good neighbor. Yeah, right. right. Uh, I'm going to be, uh, doing news here coming up shortly, uh, just a few minutes when we come back from the break and we're going to talk a little bit about what strip clubs are doing to get people back in the doors and, uh, Michael have sports coming up at the bottom of the hour. It's the TV. Hey, some guys have a type <laughs> other guy, you know, some dudes love crazy chicks. Some guys like the, the domineering chick who just yells at them all the time and doesn't let them have any fun. And, you know. The cliche is, you know, where's the pants and all that. Some dudes love that. They just want to be yelled at and they, they want someone to make sure they don't go off the rails. You know? Who? CEOs or some like people of power? Is that like the dominatrix no, I thing? Artie, not not to that degree. Like uh, Artie Bucco's wife in uh, The Sopranos, you know. Artie, you're not going to go over there. Like, you know, he knows that she'll keep him in line. I have friends who have historically dated women who kept them from being boneheads. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's four minutes after nine at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center for... Severe Weather Center 11.
It's 59 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. There are two food distributions planned for this week in Butler. The first is a walk-up distribution Wednesday in the parking lot of the First United Methodist Church on East North Street in Butler. There they plan to serve up to 500 families with organizers asking those in need to pre-register and bring their own wagon or cart. Then on Thursday, a drive-through distribution is scheduled for Hillcrest Baptist Church on Mercer Road with another 500 vehicles being served. The NAACP is organizing a march on Georgia today after the police shooting death of Rayshard Brooks. Brooks was killed after a confrontation with police Friday in the parking lot of a Wendy's that since has been burned down by protesters. Those protests erupt after a sh- the shooting, the latest death of a black person at the hands of police in a country already seeing protests from coast to coast. And the families of two Southern California black men who were recently found hanging from trees are challenging theories of suicide and demanding authorities investigate their deaths further. Authorities have said 24-year-old Robert Fuller died by suicide, but the family doesn't believe it. The family of 38-year-old Malcolm Harsh fears, fears that his death, too, will be called a suicide. Harsh was found the morning of May 31st next to a Victorville homeless encampment, according to a spokeswoman for the sheriff's uh, department there. There were no signs of foul play, but the investigation is continuing. Harsh's family was told an autopsy has been done, but we're not told a cause of death. His sister said, we're really just trying to get more answers to what happened. She said he was uh, her brother was loving not only to family, but strangers. And this just suicide was just not like him. Fuller's body was found hanging from a tree early Wednesday morning in Palmdale, although the probe into his death is continuing. Authorities said in a news release that he tragically committed suicide. Authorities said his autopsy has not yet been completed. Seven Minneapolis police officers have resigned since the start of protests over the death of George Floyd. The Star Tribune Review reports that officers cited a lack of support from the city and the police department as a reason for their quitting. The officers have also expressed frustration over Mayor Jacob Fry's decision to abandon the 3rd Precinct police station that was set on fire during protests last month. New coronavirus cases and record numbers of hospitalizations are sweeping across the United States as more states reopen. On Sunday, Alabama reported a record number of new cases for the fourth straight day. Over the past three days, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Oklahoma, and North and South Carolina all had record numbers of new cases. Nationwide, more than 25,000 new cases were reported on Saturday alone. President Trump's former casino in New Jersey will be demolished about the same time his first term comes to an end. Atlantic City Mayor Marty Small says it will be imploded by the end of the year or as late as February. The new owners of the building submitted plans to demolish the Trump Plaza Hotel and Casino. They originally wanted to do it next summer, but the mayor wants it down sooner to avoid tourist season season whenever that returns. Small called the building the biggest eyesore in town and an embarrassment. It opened in 1984 and closed in 2014 after Trump Entertainment Resorts filed for bankruptcy. 
And Donald Trump's niece is planning to release a tell-all book this summer. Reportedly, it's filled with salacious stories about the president. Mary Trump is the daughter of Fred Trump Jr., the president's late brother. The book will also reportedly reveal that Mary Trump was the one who helped provide the New York Times with extensive details about the Trump family taxes, including allegedly fraudulent schemes. So no specific date, but they say that'll be out this summer. The U.S. Postal Service's National Dog Bite Awareness Week begins today. Officials are urging dog owners to secure canines away from front doors of their homes and to never take mail directly from a postal carrier with a dog nearby. Nationwide, just over 5,800 postal carriers were bitten or mauled by canines. That's down by more than 200 dog attacks recorded in 2018. This year's campaign is called Be Alert, Prevent the Bite. A Kentucky man and woman are reportedly the first to face bestiality charges in the state since it was legally banned just last year. Prosecutors say (laughs) 50-year-old Christopher Jones. Oh, that's that's not the worst part of the story. Uh, 44-year-old Nolene Horn engaged in, quote-unquote, sexual contact with a dog in Maysville, Kentucky. Attorney General Daniel Cameron did not provide many details but said the crime was heinous and obscene. Both face counts of sexual crimes against an animal and torture of a dog. Bestiality, still legal, right next door in West Virginia. Hawaii and in New Mexico. It's it's crazy that? that they have to come up with a law for it, but it's also right. crazy that it's not a law everywhere. Like once it was a law one place, just make it a law everywhere. I think every, nobody sense, would yeah. disagree with that. Like, hey guys, do you think sex with animals is bad, right? We should probably make that against the law just because you never know. I mean, if you have a farm in your in your state, you got to have that law, <laughs> right? Uh, just I can't even believe it's it's still legal it's, anywhere it's or ever was ever. Uh, remember, uh, I don't know if you remember this when people were talking about an ancient Mayan prediction that the world would end December twenty first, two thousand twelve. Well, clearly the world did not end then, but we may not have dodged the Mayan bullet yet. A scientist in Knoxville, Tennessee, named Paolo Tagalugan, who has now deleted his Twitter account. I guess he was getting hammered over this. He recalculated the date. Uh, He says the real date of the Mayan apocalypse is this Sunday. Uh, Back when the Mayans made their prediction, he believes they were using the Julian calendar, which was the main calendar of the time. But the world switched to the Gregorian calendar in 1582 and several days were lost. So, quote, following the Julian calendar, we are technically in 2012, end quote. So if that's right, the date they believed was December 21st, 2012 is actually June 21st, 2020, which is this Sunday. And Father's Day. That's great. That's Yes. Great. And right. the world on Father's Day. Perfect. <laughs> Dads always get screwed. I know. It's like, man, all I wanted was a coffee mug. Now I got to worry about the end of the world. It's like, geez. As we know it. Strip clubs across the country are getting back into action and doing their best to keep their dancers and customers safe. For example, some are offering coronavirus-free lap dances performed by dancers that have undergone temperature checks when they arrive at work. (laughs) 
The clubs are also encouraging customers to wear masks and use hand sanitizer. And uh, the clubs are taking uh, an extra hour to do a deep clean, which might have been advised all along. But yeah, I don't think an hour is long enough. (laughs) Probably need to do a deep clean over the course of months. (laughs) People are reacting to a Nickelodeon tweet suggesting SpongeBob SquarePants might be gay. The tweet celebrates Pride Month with members of the LGBT community and their allies. The image shows SpongeBob along with Michael Cohen from Henry Danger and Avatar Korra from The Legend of Korra. Cohen has detailed his transition from female to male and Korra identifies as bisexual. So that left open the question of why SpongeBob was included. Nickelodeon turned off the comments on its post, but a lot of people have been retweeting it and making their comments there. And Looney Tunes taking guns away from characters Elmer Fudd. We we talked about that last week, but Yosemite Sam also. The new HBO Max series Looney Tunes cartoon still features those characters, but Elmer Fudd will have to hunt rabbits with something other than a rifle, and Yosemite Sam will no longer have his two pistols. Showrunner Peter Browngart told the New York Times there will still be the usual cartoony violence, but they won't have guns anymore. Are they making new episodes of that stuff? Like, I thought all I of those so. were already done. I mean, this seems to to me to be an overcorrection. Yes. Especially if you're going to have other violence. Right. If you're going to have people dropping anvils on somebody's head and things blowing up with TNT. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, And finally, the next film in the James Bond franchise is going to be released in U.S. theaters five days earlier than expected. An official announcement made on Twitter says No Time to Die will head to cinemas on November 20th. The action film was originally going to be released April 10th, but was postponed to November 25th after the coronavirus pandemic forced the closure of most movie theaters. The new 007 picture has an estimated budget of over $200 million dollars. And Billie Eilish does the theme song for the new Bond movie. And uh, MGM, one of the movie's producers as well. Forecast today, it's going to be partly sunny and there may be a shower, upper 70s for the high today. It's 58 at DVE. Mike's got sports coming up at the bottom of the hour. What do you, what's a tease for us? Uh, what can we look forward to coming up? More talks about uh, what the Pirates accomplished and how in the draft last week and more bad news regarding the relationship between Major League Baseball's owners and the players. Yeah, we'll see uh, when baseball's coming back. Uh, Mike's got that coming up and more at the bottom of the hour. It's the DVE Morning Show. The Morning Show. There's supposedly a new feature to the James Bond character with the latest Daniel Craig movie. It's a little ways away now before coming out, but according to the British press, No Time to Die, the latest James Bond movie, which will be uh, supposedly out, I don't know, later this year or something like that. He's going to have a daughter. James Bond will have a five-year-old daughter named Matilda. The mom is Dr. Madeline Swan, played by Lee Sado or Sado. The source said, yep, it's true. Bond is a dad. Daniel wanted to make this Bond film the most surprising and entertaining yet. Daniel is older and his Bond is maturing and looking at life through the prism of fatherhood. 
making him a father opens up a whole new world in terms of drama and story development. Bond appears to be happy in his new domestic life. But then, of course, just when he's out, they pull Bond back in. <laughs> out of all It'll of those like a- contraptions that Q gave him through the years, he could, never gave him a rubber. I mean, that guy had sex with <laughs> 8 million women. Right. And this is the first Unreal. time he ever got one past the goalie. So, you know, I, I always think about like what I always say is if you ever have a sharp object and you can't find it somewhere in your house, just set an 11th month old on the floor and within a minute they'll have it in their mouth. And kids, you know, sort of grow out of that phase where they're choking on stuff, but all the way up through toddler, all the way to five, six, seven, eight, they're just messing with your stuff. And I just, I want to see the scene where he's trying to get ready for a charity event so he can bump into the villain and she's just playing with all his stuff. And he's like, did you draw on my dagger shoes? How many times do I have to tell you, you don't draw on my dagger shoes? Where the hell's my Gatling gun? Did you just destroying all of his gadgets? Where are my cigarette darts? I left them in the key bowl last night and now I can't find them. Where are my cigarette darts? Get over here. Tell me, why is there peanut butter on my skyhook? How do you get peanut butter on a skyhook? And then he's like got to like idea. line up all of his missions with his custody. He's like, well, I got to <laughs> drop the kid off at child support galore's house before I go out on this mission. Child support galore. <laughs> <laughs> really Alimony penny. The mission. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's quite a penny. It is. It's a lot. Oh. Uh, no time, no time to die. No time. Why? Well, because I've got to take my kid to karate. That's why I've got a lot of things to do. There could be, I mean, uh, some of the movies don't need to be like, you could redo the movies with bond with a kid all. The, and some of them wouldn't even, you wouldn't even need to change the title doctor. No, because as a parent, you say no more than you say any other word. And the world is not enough because anything you do for these kids is not enough. They give you the whole world, I still want more. <laughs> but then you could change some. You could do diapers are forever or cry another day or view to a spill. You know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'd like to see. Home for pros. DVE Sports. I'm Mike Pursuta for DVE Sports. Further dialogue between Major League Baseball's players and Major League Baseball's owners would be futile. That, according to union head Tony Clark, as reported by the Associated Press over the weekend, uh, the players remain firm in their stance that uh, they deserve uh, the prorated portion of their salaries, uh, regardless of how long the baseball season winds up being. Uh, Major League Baseball, in turn, uh, is disappointed, uh, according to Jeff Passan of ESPN.com, that the MLBPA has chosen not to negotiate in good faith. It uh, appears we are headed for uh, a declaration by Commissioner Rob Manford as to how long the season will be, uh, probably in the neighborhood of 50 games, give or take. 
if it comes to that and uh, Manfred has to declare it, then the players will get the prorated portion of their salaries, but the season will be a short one. And uh, baseball's not really designed to be a short-season sport, but uh, the union's apparently okay with that, said Clark. It's time to get back to work. Tell us when and where. Uh, this thing has uh, just gone nowhere since they started uh, negotiating a lot of it in public, and they, they can't get past what they allegedly or supposedly agreed upon in March, and that seems to be the biggest hang-up, Bill. I think this would be a difficult negotiation in pristine conditions, Mike, but the problem is confounding it all is the looming CBA in a couple of years. That 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 is what is... That's what both sides are sort of posturing uh, towards. And and nobody wants to give an inch now because that, that might lead to two inches later. And Damn. that might lead to a salary cap or at least <laughs> discussions about a salary cap, which the players are absolutely not interested in entertaining. Uh, in the meantime, uh, all the clubs... Uh, Reacting uh, to what they were able to do in the draft last week, the Pirates are pretty happy with their six selections. One of those is third-rounder Nick Garcia, who is a, a Division three pitcher. He comes from Chapman College in California. But uh, the Bucks' new GM, Ben Charrington, is a D3 guy himself. He went to UMass Amherst, and uh, as a result, he's got a pretty good feel for uh, what Garcia is capable of doing. Nick's a much different animal than I certainly was or anyone I can remember playing playing with there. So um, I guess it probably makes you wonder how he ended up there. Obviously, as Joe said, he went there as a, a position player to start, and sometimes those things happen. And uh, there have been some really good players that come out of Division Three, Not a ton, but there are some, and we're banking on Nick being another one. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, you know, look, wherever you're playing – uh, wherever it is, what level it is, um, there's opportunities to get better and to take your talent and just find a way to get better. In Nick's case, he became a pitcher, and we saw steady improvement and growth from last year through the summer and then into the spring. And as Joe said, he's got a lot of really good traits that we'd look for in a pitcher, size, delivery, arm action, uh, what he can do with the baseball, spin it. Um, so we're really excited to work with him. Yeah, it looked like the Pirates were working off a blueprint. Garcia is another guy uh, who falls in line with what they wound up with, uh, a pitcher who converted to full-time pitching uh, after playing another position, a guy who excelled when given an opportunity in the Cape Cod League, that uh, college all-star league that's a, a great proving ground for Major League Baseball. But uh, Ben Charrington said that uh, there really wasn't a blueprint. They were just kind of working their board and, they wound up with what they wound up with by following uh, their outline procedure. Yeah, that was it. Uh, you know, just simple as that. There was no – we didn't go into it looking for any particular position. It was just those are the best guys there. And um, we had, you know, the first four guys uh, we took, um, um, you know, ranked really highly on our board, including the three pitchers. And then – uh, the last couple of pitchers there, you know, interesting guys with really good stuff and combination of stuff and um, swing and miss ability. So, uh, 
again, Joe and the group did a great job, put us in a good position, and just just taking the best guy available. Up next, uh, the pursuit of undrafted free agents and the continued getting to know you process with the Bucks and their new draftees. Uh, ben Sherrington said that that's going to include virtual meetings as part of the process. Yeah, I think we continue that, uh, you know, for as long as we have to. We obviously get, got to know all these guys really well before the last two days, but we can continue that process now for whatever period of time uh, until we're allowed to come back together. Um, and in some ways, you know, I think probably even like less formally, you know, we can start to get you know guys share information, mm-hmm. um, share programming even. And, uh, but certainly we hope that we can get everyone to Bradenton uh, before 2020 is over. That's our, that's our hope. So. Maybe they should just have all the draft choices play. Those guys seem pretty eager. <laughs> that's what they might end up with, Mike. <laughs> Could probably get them to work for peanuts. They won't care what kind of risk they're taking. <laughs> oh, I get to play in a big league game. Give me the ball. I think, though, you know, he talks about those virtual meetings. Uh, Zoom's probably here to stay, isn't it? There's going to be a lot of stuff done uh, even no after doubt. things, quote, unquote, get back I to normal. Think. Um, it's been Some of this has been interesting. I got to I gotta be honest. I, I, I wouldn't have chosen this this type of scenario and I wouldn't want to go down this road again, but uh, it's been interesting. There's been some, some things I've learned in terms of how to do stuff better. I've heard a lot of people expressing that same kind of sentiment, uh, becoming a little more efficient, a little more maybe uh, flexible in the way we go about things. So uh, what they say in Monty Python, always look on the bright side of life. We'll be, we'll be better for the pandemic. There you go, Mike. Assuming we're still alive. Assuming we're still alive. <laughs> nice disclaimer there at the end. <laughs> well, you know, it's so far so it's good. Be acknowledged. Yeah. Uh, press conference today in Moon Township. Robert Morris poised to announce that it's joining the Horizon League. Uh, that's a significant upgrade for Colonials basketball, and uh, a significant event. A press conference. The media is actually going to go to the same place and talk to people face to face for one day at least. F Zoom. <laughs> it's not going to be virtual. It's going to be actual reality. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm going to ask many questions. I'm going to have much tape when I talk to you tomorrow. Do you miss your fellow uh, sports journalists, or are you just happy to get out? Uh, you know, more the latter than the former. <laughs> no, I miss, I miss some of them. <laughs> I, I kind of miss, you know, work in a room and do, that's a significant part of my job is yeah. to go watch things and observe and talk to people. And it's, uh, despite my recent, uh, soliloquy about zoom there a minute ago, when you're asking one question at a time and the subject matters all over the place, that's not like sitting down with somebody and really having an exchange bill. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine though, Mike, that it won't, it won't be that it'll be near that but you won't just be able to quote unquote work the room because I'm, I'm assuming that you guys are going to be distance. You'll, you won't be able to just walk right up to somebody. I, I mean, that's what I'm guessing. Yeah, that's probably what I'm guessing too. But uh, let me, let me live in my fantasy world until one o'clock. All I have to do is drive to moon township and everything's normal again. Isn't that always the case, right? 
Yeah. Going enough. to the moon. Yeah. Everybody knows the coronavirus can't exist on the moon. <laughs> or in ESPN.com has uh, confirmed uh, a Columbus dispatch report that Ohio State football players and their parents were asked to sign the Buckeye Pledge prior to return, returning to campus for voluntary workouts on June the 8th. Now, Athletic Director Gene Smith said that uh, the Buckeye Pledge was intended more to stress uh, education in response to the virus virus, excuse me, than it was uh, had anything to do with the uh, potential liability. By signing the pledge, uh, the players and their parents agreed to testing and potential self-quarantining, monitoring for symptoms, reporting uh, any potential exposure in a timely manner, and uh, they also agreed to practice the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention guidelines. Uh, that, of course, includes wearing a mask and social distancing. Uh, any failure to comply with that Buckeye pledge could lead to uh, the revoking of participation privileges, although not uh, scholarships and uh, not uh, the ability to use the Ohio State facilities would also be at risk if you didn't follow up on what you pledged. If you signed the Buckeye pledge, uh, interesting approach to getting college football started again in Columbus. And last but not least, Christian Hackenberg is attempting a comeback in baseball. The former Penn State quarterback who uh, flamed out quickly in the NFL is trying to become a pitcher. Uh, he recently told NBC Philadelphia, quote, simple as I can put it, I just want to compete, man. I've kind of had my trials and tribulations with the NFL and had success and had that roller coaster ride. At the end of the day, I'm sitting here at 25. For me, I feel like I've got a lot left in the tank. Hackenberg was a baseball player in high school. Uh, he was drafted on the second round by the Jets in 2016. Never played a regular season game for them. Got traded to the Raiders in 2018. Never played a regular season for them. Wound up uh, on an Eagles preseason roster. Never played a regular season game for them. And also spent a couple of months on the Bengals practice squad. Never played a regular season game <laughs> for them. Maybe it is time to try another sport. It's harder to throw Back interceptions to the, uh... in baseball, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Going back to the Ohio State story, I don't know if other, you know, colleges have you sign a pledge as a player. I'm assuming everybody is very, you know, stringent about going by the CDC guidelines and not getting people sick. But over the weekend, there were reports sure. that two two colleges had, uh, I think it was Iowa and Houston, had like one had nine or ten players test positive, and I think the other was six or seven. There have been a lot of those kind of reports ever since uh, players started trickling back all across the country. And really, if you think about it, who is the least likely to say, not a heck with the regulations, than a college football player? You know, they, right. they're they just so a excited to be back. Kid. They, they want to get back to doing what they've been doing all along mm -hmm. and, and what they think they're supposed to be doing. I would think it'd be easier for them to kind of lose perspective on it. Not that they're defiant or anything, but you just, you kind of fall back in the, Oh, okay. I'm back on campus. Everything's back to normal. Right. And, uh, there's a little risk in that. I mean, yeah, they're defiant, but that is the nature of being young. I mean, remember those kids 
at the at the very beginning of this uh, this whole quarantine that were down in Florida on spring break, they were like. They were like, what are you doing out here? And they're like, listen, we don't care about it. Like old people should probably just stay inside this year. Um, we're going well, to go out. We're going to have fun. And this, you know, if that's happening in college sports, isn't it likely that's going to happen in pro sports? I mean, somebody's going to get it. How do you avoid contact? As, as the great John Harbaugh told us last week, I don't think the huddle's going to be socially distanced. Right. Yeah, well, I don't know. We'll find out. Thanks, Mike. Um, Bill's coming up next, and we're uh, we're going to talk a little bit about his uh, Emma's nine today. I cannot Emma believe is it. Nine. And Kennedy just had a birthday too, right? Yeah, she had a birthday at the beginning of the quarantine, and so we did a joint birthday party because we couldn't celebrate her back in March. Well, we'll talk. Young for we'll talk joints, a little bit. They? <laughs> not that kind of joint Mike <laughs> so we'll wish happy birthday to Emma when we come uh, back it's a DV it's the DVE morning show today is Emma's birthday happy birthday Emma happy and, uh, birthday are you doing, to my you- sweet little daughter huh so you had you had a party over the weekend. Are you doing anything today, or is it just like, hey, happy birthday? You got all your stuff over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll we'll find a way to celebrate her today. But yeah, she's nine today. She's so beautiful. She's so kind and thoughtful. Um, and so every year, her birthday party is like the perfect way to kick off the summer. June fifteenth, yeah. it's like it's here, and we usually do it big. But this year. It's a little different because, you know, we're, we couldn't have like a huge birthday party with all of her friends. So we decided to do something a little bit smaller with mainly just our family. And I told my daughter Kennedy that she could also um, join in the fun because we didn't get to celebrate her in March because of the quarantine. So it was mm-hmm. Emma and, and Kennedy's joint birthday party celebration. And, um, you know, the one thing, the one present that they wanted, of course, I couldn't get. All they wanted was an above ground Intex pool. And, you know, some jag off bought them all up. You know, the, the whoever <laughs> bought up all the hand sanitizer, the same thing with the pools. We have family down in, uh, in Florida. And after calling every Target, Walmart and uh, Home Depot and Fort Myers, I was like, I can't find the pool. Okay, so early in the week, I'm like, they're screwed on the pool. I have no attraction or game for the kids in the back. So now people are like, I'll lend you my slip and slide. So I go on this website and my sister starts helping me. She finds this company that has like these bouncy house water slides that we've gotten from different companies in years past. So I see this thing. It's called the big like a rental company. Right. They come and they set it up. And then they they tear it down. So I see this slide. It's called the Big Kahuna. And I'm like, all right, this looks awesome. But it looks pretty big. It's, you know, it's 30 feet, 34 feet long or something. I'm like, I don't, I'm focusing on the length. So now I'm like, all right, I think I have enough length in the yard. So anyways, I went full Griswold this year. And I didn't even mean to, but I got 
eight yards of mulch, blocked myself <laughs> in, and gave myself 30 man hours of labor. My dad helped me. Thank God. He's the MVP of this whole thing. He helped dig out my car, which I blocked in. So I did uh, all that work. Then this big kahuna thing shows up. It's 34 <laughs> feet long and 20 feet high. It's it's higher than the power lines. The guy's like, hold on. I got to oh. position this because it's it's uh, oh, it's higher than the power lines. And I'm like, yeah, could you please position it away from the power lines? That'd be awesome. Yeah. I don't need any charred oh. kids at the house. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't windy. <laughs> I know. So my family is making fun of me. And at this point, like I'm fried. I, I have already, you know, again, I've painted the living room. I've dry locked the basement. I put the glass block window in the furnace room. I did all the unnecessary things that have nothing to do with her party, but in the name of her party. And now I'm just burnt. And my family's all heckling me. Did you do this all in one day? The mulch? No. The party? No, it took oh, me. Oh, okay. It, the mulch got delivered on Thursday late afternoon. So I'm okay. crushed. I'm 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 under a mountain of mulch from <laughs> late Thursday all of Friday, some of sun some of Saturday. Now I'm just crushed. And every, and and I went full Clark Griswold. I go, listen, guys, this isn't a, this is no longer a party. It's a quest. A quest for fun. <laughs> I'm gonna have fun. You're gonna have fun. We're all going to have so much effing fun. We're not going to know what to do with ourselves. We're going to have to go to a, <laughs> a plastic surgeon to get the damn smiles removed from our effing faces. <laughs> you could have just said, hey, kids, this is going to be a work party. We're going to learn some life lessons today on <laughs> measure. <laughs> Here, sweethearts, I, I got you both shovels. Now grab one and start loading the wheelbarrow. So anyways, we had, it was just, it was, it was my family. Um, and, and they each had a few friends come over and it was, it ended up being such a great time because again, we haven't seen each other in so long and ever, you know, for them, it was their first time to be around their friends and Kennedy got to celebrate her birthday. Um, and then we oh, did this good. cake. And it was just like the year of going overboard. Like I got this cake <laughs> and I wanted it to be nice. I said to the the person who was making the cake, like, you know, they like fancy things. Well, then my dad goes to pick up the cake. He brings it back. It looks like Kennedy and Emma got married. It's a two tiered <laughs> wedding cake that's covered in fondant. And it's, I mean, it's a gorgeous cake. It's probably the most beautiful cake I've ever seen in my life. But I'm like, am I just overdoing it at every single turn? <laughs> um, but I, I wanted to, you know, those girls are the light of my life. Did they and, love it? You know, making them happy. Oh my God. They freaked well, out. That's all that matters. It was a party. Then it was an after party. Then the cousins slept over. All of a sudden, everybody is riding the, the slide in the middle of the night naked. And I'm, that's when I shut it all down. What? I'm like, hey, I'm unplugging <laughs> this. Yeah. Everybody put your clothes back. Somebody's peeing off the side of it. I'm like, listen. This is <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. I'm like, did you guys get into the beers? What happened here? Um, 
but it was it was such a great party and actually it was it was a, it was a beautiful moment because Kennedy and Emma are both you know we sang them both happy birthday and then Kennedy blows the candles out and Emma's like welling up she's like this is my birthday party you just blow out the candles she's about to cry so we run happy birthday back we're like let's sing it again i like the candles <laughs> And and she powered through it and made a, a wish and blew out the candles. And it was just it was a special day. You know, I mean, it's like the this year, more than any other year, you just feel so grateful to have, you know, a family that I have and these girls that that I'm lucky enough to be the dad of. It's just it was it was an awesome day and well worth the uh, the 30 hours of man labor I had to put in for no reason to to prepare for it. Well, I'm glad the girls got to have such a good party and, and uh, we're out of quarantine enough that you could have people over. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was I mean, I was a little worried about that. But, you know, um, it's it's outside. You know, nobody was allowed inside. And we just, you know, we kept it to under 20 people and it, it ended up well, being a great, the... great party. Yeah, you're within the limits then. So. Well, happy mm -hmm. birthday to Emma, and I uh, hope she has a good day with you as well today. Thanks to Sean Casey, the mayor, for joining us this morning. We'll be joined tomorrow by Billy Gardell and uh, Michelle Michaels coming up next. She's got the electric lunch at noon here on DVE. I'm finished.